Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Keep It A Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Burial the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller and let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping a strong style the ace of podcasts on the social suplex podcast network Jeremy Donovan here with the implications. Matthew Mayer from Wrestling Headlines. On today's show, we're reviewing both nights of Wrestle Grand Slam and MetLife Dome, answering listener questions, and covering all latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. And like you heard in the intro, young boy is not here this week. Uh, unfortunately, had a death in the family, so he's going to be out for this week. Um, and we're going to kind of take it week by week to see... Uh, when he'll be available. Um, so, if you, you know, thoughts and prayers out to the young boy and his family. Um, you know, give him your thoughts and prayers, guys, this week. And, uh, yeah, always uh, tough stuff uh, when that comes to loss and family. But uh, I got my man Imp here from Wrestling Headlines here to come on and talk about Wrestle Grand Slam and all stuff happening in New Japan. Imp, how you doing, man? Knackered. <laughs> bloody <knackered>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is where what two days removed from aw all out i covered it for wrestling headlines 
and I went live at what half past five in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, not recovered. And it, it makes sense that I need I because I do the uh, raw reviews as well for wrestling headlines. So I wrapped up that about an hour ago. So this is my therapy. This is my recovery. <laughs> Talk about New Japan. I, I don't know how much of a recovery it's gonna be. <laughs> oh, we're all about that Dick Togo booking. Oh, <laughs> give us that evil. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, uh, dude. we we have a, a lot of stuff to talk about here with these two uh, Wrestle Grand Slam shows. Uh, before we get into that, real quick, uh, for any new listeners, give your your plugs and tell them where they can find you online. So I am at the damn implicat. This damn is in damn over at uh, Twitter. And I've checked for New Japan. When I go damn, that's not Farouk. That's uh, Chono. Chono when he goes, God damn. <laughs> that's it. it. It works both ways. Um, also, my column's over at Wrestling Headlines. My latest one, uh, the NXT era is dead, went viral on Facebook, which was a very weird feeling. And uh, Facebook people are weird. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I got called uh, an idiot by a lot of people. Well, what you, NXT's not dead. What are you talking about? There's a, a I said, the NXT era is, can you read? <laughs> it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. The answer is no, they can't. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, also uh, wrestling headlines on their YouTube channel. I review Raw, I review pay-per-views when I can. Uh, I myself have uh, struggled recently. Uh, my father had a heart attack the week of Money in the Bank, so I've just been taking it week by week. Um, he's fine, he's ready fine now, but that just means I've, kind of struggled to find consistency i've not done like a pay-per-view all that was my first one since wwe backlash wrestlemania or wrestlemania backlash whatever they call it there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, so yeah so i've been a bit 50 um, i should be back on it now i'm getting like a new schedule uh, i should be doing dynamite as well this week as well for the first time an AEW review oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah as you can tell hyped about AEW. I guess if you're hyped by AEW, you listen to other podcasts on this network. <laughs> We're New Japan, baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, plenty of AEW hype over at One Nation Radio this week. And uh, All Things Elite are our main AEW podcast on the network. Those guys had, you know, one of the best North American pay-per-views to review and, you know, go crazy about on their shows. And we get to talk about Wrestle Grand Slam in the MetLife Dome uh, I, I can't say that it was on the same level. I can't say that it was in the same universe as <laughs> 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 the quality of AEW All Out. But, uh, you know, let, let's dive into these shows. Let's, let's work through these. Let's talk about them. I'm sure people are dying to hear uh, what we got to think about uh, Russell Grand Slam in the MetLife Dome. So we had night one on Saturday Show opened up with a pre-show tag match. First time stardom being aired on NJPW World. Uh, we had my girl, Momo Watanabe, t- teaming up with Saya Kayatami to defeat Lady C and Micah. Uh, Imp, did you catch this, this pre-show match on night one? I did. So I watched, I know I watched this one live, and I, so I've not watched like any of the build-up to Wrestle Grand Slam. And tuning in live, I was like, oh, the show's on, I'll just put it on. I had a delivery at like 10 to 8 in the morning or something ridiculous. So I watched Rampage and then went straight to New Japan World. And this was on. I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, yeah, for, especially as it was a surprise to me. Because I, I, I knew Stardom matches were on the card, but I just assumed it would be normal. I had no idea they were actually going to air, which is a big step forward. 
obviously they're still on the pre-show. So that obviously there are still other steps they can take in terms of shows like these. Um, as, like, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, especially right now when we talk about these cards, the kind of the quality of them. Would it really be the worst thing in the world to do a Stardom New Japan kind of crossover event? Like, really, would it be the worst? <laughs> especially <laughs> if you if you give the best that both can offer, you're gonna get a great show. Yeah, um, especially if, uh, you know, yeah, Stardom is on fire this year. You know, people mm. are saying it, it's Bushi Road's number one wrestling promotion <laughs> right now. Uh, James Boyd is asking why he isn't on keeping it strong south of cover. Bushi Road's uh, number one promotion, Stardom. Uh, you know, Mr. Dr. Joshi himself. But yeah, Stardom <laughs> has been excellent this year. They're in the middle of the five-star Grand Prix. And if you're interested in learning more about Stardom, I highly recommend... Uh, like I said, listening to One Nation Radio, um, they have a stardom segment every week at the end of their show. Uh, plus, you can hop in our Discord. A uh, link for that's in the the, note, the show notes, show description for this show. Uh, jump in the Stardom channel, the One Nation Radio channel. I'm sure you know Rich, James, all the, the Joshi fans in there would love to get get you educated and get you up and going on stardom. Yeah, I'm at that point where, uh, in terms of, because I I don't check it out super regularly. Uh, it's just every now and then if I hear something, I would say if I hear something good, that's pretty regularly I do. But um, I'm at that point now where it's not great for a podcast where if I see see them on the screen, I'm like, oh, you, I, I like, you're good. You're really good you <laughs> but if you tell me their name, it, it resonates nothing. <laughs> I've not learned their names yet. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, the way that mostly wears white all the time. Yeah, she's really good. Oh, the green, the green one. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm remembering clothing. <laughs> I'm remembering faces, hairstyles and whatever, but... Your names don't resonate with me yet. <laughs> I've, not, I've not clicked there. Yeah, yeah. Aside def- from like a top few. Yeah, it definitely takes some time to, you know, like any promotion mm. new, you start to get used to the names. Um, you know, I was watching Stardom for a little bit. So we went um, New York WrestleMania weekend. They had the Stardom American Dream 2019 Stardom in New York show um, in Queens that me, Rich Ladd, and James Boyd went to. Um, and that show was awesome. That was kind of like our, our real big like introduction into stardom and getting to know some of these people. And, you know, I tried following it ever since after then because it was an awesome live show. But then, you know, the pandemic hit in and then uh, New Japan deciding they need to do um, 100 shows <laughs> a week. It, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, watch uh, mm-hmm. other things, um, especially, you know, this is a New Japan podcast. And then obviously I love AEW as well. So. Unfortunately, Stardom's kind of hit the back burner for me. I have seen um, a little bit of the the five star Grand Prix. I saw the, the first two nights, so um, not not as you know into Stardom as I was last year. And as far as knowing all what's going on, but I still recognize most of the key people and kind of have some general sense. Uh, thanks to James of what's going on. Yeah, I I've got a sense, but I've not like actually watched since Tam Meccano. Tam Meccano. <laughs> the, 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 the magnetic toy thing where it was Meccano, we put it together. <laughs> Anyone who's Meccano in the nineties. <laughs> um Tam Nakano. Oh Jesus Christ, I've really struggled. <laughs> I've not watched since she became champion. <laughs> but uh, but I, I was watching I think she was uh, building up to that big title change and I was excited, caught in that hype. And I, th- I think the world of Julia, and oh, yeah. um, we get to talk about her, which is great. All the boys was... love, love, love Julia. <laughs> <laughs> that that well, we'll get to it. The, I found that match surreal in just I'm watching this incredible wrestling to like golf claps and like 
It's <laughs> polite applause. <laughs> this is yeah, really I, weird. I guess before we before yeah. we dive more into the match, mm-hmm. I guess we have to talk about the atmosphere, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So we're in the MetLife Dome, you know, big arena, about two thousand people spread out through this arena. Can't clap, can't cheer, can't make any noise. Well, they can clap, but they can't cheer. They can't make any noise uh, verbally. Man, <laughs> just just rough. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I guess the like in terms of these shows and everything, I'd give it the subtitle. Okay, then. It's just it's not it's not really the shows <laughs> didn't really feel like there's much of a purpose. Uh, the, in in terms of like was there was there really a big demand for these shows? And then you look at the way that there's the whole atmosphere there. It never really broke through into like proving the necessity for their existence which is right. quite quite I, a bar i, I guess <laughs> from, from their standpoint i know that they, they had announced like the wrestle grand slam stuff in may mm. and that got pushed back and then they did do like the makeup tokyo dome one so i guess they want to do another makeup show and i guess you know not want to false advertise and kind of fulfill this big mm. dome show that they promised but at the same time, if you're going to do this show and it's only going to be, you know, 2,000, 2,500 people, what's the point? And I get from a business standpoint with the pandemic, they have X amount of, you know, tickets that they need to sell to recoup from what they lost in pandemic. But if it's going to be 2,000, run a smaller building. I don't know. Go to Osaka Joe Hall. Do do some some other arena that has a less capacity so it doesn't look as bad if you're only going to have 2,000 people in there. And 2,000 people that can't make noise. So the, the atmosphere, it escapes anyway. Like as we've heard uh, people talk about WrestleMania, like the wrestlers themselves say it's really hard to judge whether a match is working because the sound just escapes. And to have that with a small crowd, <laughs> it must be just so weird. Just that, like, um, Especially for when they booked it for a big dome show and then... They can't make, they can't cheer, anything <laughs> like that. So it's not like um, an ind- independent in America, where um, I'm talking about like a big open venue type thing. Because there'll be fans there, they'll be making noise, they'll be responding to what's happening. Whilst it, you, it, this felt more like it's respectful Japanese fans uh, applauding what they see, uh, but without the verbal stuff. But it's literally just golf claps. It's it's really weird. It's I, I found it really difficult to get into. Like more difficult than when it was empty arena and it's Hiramu just tossing himself over. <laughs> <laughs> a crazy man. Yeah, um, I mean it, it, this yeah. this dome holds can hold up to like thirty five thousand people, mm. and it had they had attendance about like twenty five hundred for both nights, mm. and it, they're spread out. They don't you know there's some people that are up you know in the higher seats. I don't know why, and yeah, it's <laughs> just it was just not a, a great look, a great atmosphere. It just it just felt dead. It felt like going to your your town's local indie, um, in in an empty you know, bingo hall where there's like you know fifty people. Nobody knows who's on the card. Nobody's making any noise or reacting. It was strange because uh, I thought that the Tokyo Dome show as well when they had people like in the stands like far back. I was just like, why? <laughs> just fill out the floor seats. It's really yeah. weird. Yeah, that's one of the things with New Japan that they don't kind of do what other wrestling companies do, you know, as far as like a production look, you know, for example, WWE, if they go to an arena and they don't sell it out, they're going to tarp off the empty sections. They're going to move people down. Mm -hmm. They're going to pack people in front of the hard cam to make you think it's sold out. 
Just like when we went to G1 in Dallas. Um, also, they did not sell that show out. Um, there's still a good-sized crowd. They could have moved more people down. They could have tarped it down. They could have built a bigger stage to kind of help fill out the arena. But they didn't do that. Um, and so same thing here with you know MetLife Dome and Tokyo Dome. Even in, in Corkin Hall, for some of the shows that they've been running for Corkin in the pandemic, you have people that are kind of like randomly spread out through the arena. It's like... Mm. I get it. They maybe they paid for a certain seat or section, but just move them in, move them down, move them closer, tighten <laughs> it up, and make it look like it's somewhat full. Especially since we're not going to be able to get audible noise. At least the clapping can be more of a sound together and, and instead of all spread out. Like uh, like a few people really optimistic in the current state. Going, trust me, guys. This is gonna, you want to be in the stands. <laughs> just pure blind optimism. Uh, did you watch uh, either of these nights live, or did you watch them like on demand later? I watched night one live, then uh, night two. I think I think I was just getting ready for all out, so I was making assets for the, for the uh, review and stuff like that. Uh, really happy with what I produced. <laughs> I thought it looked great, but yeah, still I was like photoshopping and stuff, so I didn't watch it live. I wa- I watched night two uh, about five six hours ago. <laughs> I <think>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, After you messaged me, <laughs> uh, I watched night one live as well, um, and then I caught night two like a few hours uh, after it ended. But yeah, and, and you know, for me, night one it was like a four a.m. Uh, wake up time, and man, it, it was it was a little bit rough, and maybe that aff- affected the way I saw some of these matches. But uh, you know, I was trying to go in with, with some positive energy, but didn't really last long. Um, but let's get back to this, this pre-show match. So we have uh, Momo and Saya versus Lady C and Micah. What do you think about this match? Yeah, I so it, this was. Um, I think I've got a more positive look on it purely because it was pure surprise that there was a Stardom match airing. Uh, but yeah, this was uh, obviously the second night's match was they were kind of saving for that one. But there, there were some nice displays in here. I I feel I, I don't remember seeing Lady C. I must have because they everybody was on that card. <laughs> the last day I watched, everyone was there. This is what I mean by just not remembering people. Well, there, I feel like there has been a lot of new people that have come in within the last year as well, or at least people uh, maybe maybe people elevated. Because mm. <laughs> when I was really paying attention, I don't remember a, a Lady C also at all. It was only until oh, like oh. listening to One Nation Radio, like hearing Lady <laughs> C and who she was. So okay, I feel a bit better now. <laughs> That's what I like. uh, but yeah, I think I knew everybody else though. And it felt more like a, it felt more into the, the like nice little showcase kind of feel to it. Like the, like the, I'm, oh, I say like the past specials have. I haven't watched them. I don't know what I'm talking about because <laughs> they didn't air. <laughs> but yeah, what I assumed they would feel like where it's a kind of special match where it's decent and it's fun enough to watch, but if nothing's going to blow your socks away, it's more of a look what we can do type of thing. And then they blow you away on night two. Right, it's yeah. definitely kind of like, you know, give them a little taste, give them an introduction, yeah. you know, get your spots in. There's a lot of great uh, moves here, uh, including the, the closing move uh, from Kamatani, the, the Phoenix Splash that got the win for the Queen's Quest team there. Uh, so, yeah, this was a great little introduction into, star, into stardom. Like you mentioned, um, good preview for night two where we saw a little bit more 
of the action there. So I'm all for them continuing to, you know, highlight stardom on these cards. Um, you know, same big parent company. Why not, you know, highlight them? So uh, I think it's a good move here. 100%. Yes. Keep, feature them more. Feature them more often. Don't, don't have to wait for these <laughs> big specials. <laughs> you got three nights of Vessel Kingdom. <laughs> got to fill it with something. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, we did have a question from Dom Homie 101 asking if there are any possibility that we see more starting matches on New Japan shows in the future. Uh, and I think so, especially now with them both being owned by Bushi Road. I just think it makes uh, a ton of sense because obviously right now New Japan has the bigger audience, has you know 100,000 people on uh, New Japan World subscribers. So that's a whole new set of eyeballs that are probably, you know, seeing stardom for the first time, or maybe they kind of halfway pay attention. And now is a full like, spotlight moment for them to check it out and get invested in that show as well. But I personally wouldn't mind. Uh, uh, this is me being like Western watching what things are happening over here in the West of our streaming services. I was like, would it be the worst thing to have stardom and New Japan world like together on like a Bushi Rody streaming service thing that where, it's so happy if they happen to acquire more companies, they could also stream on there. <laughs> just a thought that uh, just to get that exposure out there for stardoms, just even more because even though New Japan are like the big one, we're at that point where, as Jamie was saying, that stardom is on a strong run and now be a pretty good time just to show them, put them somewhere on a bigger stage. Uh, and uh, for me, it's uh, Wrestle Kingdom, they've got three nights. And who knows what the <laughs> pandemic status will be. Right. Like, imagine three nights of Vessel Kingdom and they, then they can't have Western talent on it or it's limited. But yeah. that is going to sting hard. <laughs> Use stardom. Jesus, <laughs> please don't make us sit through something else. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love if, yeah, Stardom World and New Japan World just kind of combined into one, like, Bushi Road World service. I think the, the main issue might be the, the TV contract, which is when the issue... Oh, why stardom hasn't been able to air on new japan world for the past you know um tv acai mainly does new japan i believe a, maybe it's a bima or another tv company i'm not 100 sure does stardom and so there's a lot of issues on what can air where and stuff like that so i think that's like the major hold up right now of them yeah, potentially. the laws are a lot more strict and a lot they're so different in japan uh, and yeah the copyright is it it doesn't compute with Western internet. It's the best way we put it. Yeah, especially <laughs> especially when it comes to screenshots. Uh, TV Asai mm. has been on just a uh, a hot streak this year of you know flagging Twitter accounts who have been that are, that post screenshots of the live recordings. And so yeah, TV Asai but, definitely cracking down. You know, one of my most popular tweets was me just announcing Jay White had become champion. <laughs> like, uh, please don't. <laughs> so just, just look at my most recent, my best tweet most recently, which was me just posting the uh, the interview of walking up to Mike Riddle uh, like a crab. That <laughs> 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 <Bad> tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I finally figured out Twitter with that one. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so let's move on now to the, the first match that was on the main card of night one. The Flying Tigers, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask, they defeated the LIJ team of Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi, 11 minutes and 40 seconds. Kind of similar. It, it tells me, like, reviewing this, it's kind of similar to the start of match where it's a 
taste of setting up for night two, really. It's, it's, it's your... We were talking about G1 Climax, I think, just before we came on air. And we're like, yeah, this is the like preview tag for the next night. There's not much else to review. <laughs> That's pretty, right. pretty much what Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like you mentioned, it's a highlight of, you know, just kind of seeing Hiromu and Robbie Eagles in there. I thought all four guys worked really hard here. Um, a lot of great counters. Um, Robbie Eagles gets the win for the team. He does the, the springboard uh, drop kick to Bushi's knee, hits him with a turbo, turbo backpack, locks in the Ron Miller special to uh, get the ref stoppage and the win for the team. So Eagles kind of going in with the momentum into the tag match. That's kind of what I mentioned last week. I definitely felt whether or not he was going to win on night two, I definitely felt he needed to win here just because I think Hiromi was going to be the favorite on night two and just to give him some more momentum going into that night. Yeah, and it's set up up well. um, Because the thing about these tag matches quite often, if you've seen the G1 as well, they'll have sequences and the wrestler will learn for the setup a thing they do in the match. It's like, what's going to happen here? We saw him reverse it the night before, that sort of thing. But little tidbits, which is why it's often worth watching these tag matches or with the G1. You get more out of the match itself if you were to watch this. Uh, that's why I compared it to G1 match. It's pretty much that idea, really. Yeah. So then the following match, we had the, the big grudge match, the, the battle of Rapungi 3K, the battle for Karen Sensei's heart. Show versus Yo. Show coming out. New look, new music. He defeats his former partner, Yo, by ref decision. 24 minutes, 41 seconds. So, and what do you think here, man? We got we have Show, new music, new look, <laughs> and the, the House of Torture rears its House ugly head. Show, <laughs> show is now a part of the Bullet Club. What are your thoughts on this match? The angle, everything that went down here. Uh, right, so there's quite a, there's a lot to address. It's fair to say a lot. Of, <laughs> a lot of right, so first off, what is that face show is pulling? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> it's like he's. Um, the way he pulls it, it's like he's trying to focus on like two things at once, but he can't. Your eyes can't do it, so it's like one's like, mm, ooh, mm. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> like, like he's got a lazy eye. <laughs> it's really strange. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Um, uh, he's it is the um, it's the evil school of just go a bit emo with it. It's it, it's show, but it's the emo version of him. Yeah. The hair's kind of just down a bit more across, and. Um, He's wearing, wearing dark clothes now. He's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a he's a bit of a goth, <laughs> and he's uh, just slower with it. It's the recent heel turn. I'm, whilst I'm figuring this out, I'm just gonna do everything I do normally, but slower with more stomping, and pull a face at the crowd in between doing moves to really slow it down. So uh, it's uh, then there's the house of torture, <laughs> which is. Uh, a whole thing in its. I feel like I want to talk about show, <laughs> talk about the match, and then I'll get to house torture. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so in terms of the presentation of show, he's he's when the match actually happens, like yeah, it's, he's still show, and uh, obviously it was great. I, I I like this match. I it wasn't anything groundbreaking or insane, 
but I, for me, it fulfilled the purpose it set out to serve. <laughs> I'll give it applause for that. Yeah, um, I, I like the match also. I know I saw a lot of people kind of not as high on the match, and also we had the whole the angle and the ref bumps and the interference at the end. But I thought the match started off really hot. You had Yo coming out there, mm-hmm. and they're going straight at it. You know, a lot of times in other companies, we see grudge matches, and they start with a collar elbow tie up and they're you know slapping on a, <laughs> yeah. a headlock for 10 minutes it's like this is supposed to be a blood feud so these guys came out here they were swinging you know very hard hitting towards the beginning very aggressive and then yeah getting to the middle of the match it definitely slowed down as uh show was working over the arm and just kind of really grinding yo down and getting heat uh but i thought the, the end kind of picked back up until we got the angle but i still thought like this match was more of like an extended angle than it was like a blow off match or anything. Yeah, that's, that's just quite good. Because after I finished it, I was like, I would have no idea how I would rate that because I still enjoyed it and I was still giving it thumbs up for what it accomplished. But I don't know how I would definitely. Yeah, that's a good good way of explaining it. It's like the extended kind of angle. Uh, but yeah, it's it's mostly thumbs up, and I guess a lot of the negatives come from the House of Torture stuff more than the match itself. Right. And that shows different presentation. I it, obviously it's early days, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> early. <laughs> but the fact that this seems, I guess, uh, I don't, I don't want to do a bad thing written by uh, bad thing done by Booker, therefore Booker bad. I don't, I don't want to do that because <laughs> obviously that's that's not true. <laughs> it's like yes, but people can write bad things, but they can also write good. So not. Booker not bad. <laughs> it's a state thing bad, not Booker. Um, but yeah, this feels like another. Let's push evil to the moon. Let's give him his own sub sub faction. Yes. Oh yes. People will love that. Yes. His own little version of a buddy club thing. Yes. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. The, the reports that are coming out is that uh, you know Dick Togo has been gaining a lot more influence on the creative, and it was his idea. For show to join Bullet Club to just do this House of Torture um, idea to kind of push evil again. I don't know what it is, but Dick Togo is obsessed with trying to get New Japan to push evil. He was pushing for evil to win the title on night two for a short, quick title reign and drop it back to Shingo. Um, and he wants these guys to focus on heat uh, and character work. And it, it's just a hot mess right now in that booking room. Yeah, you can, it, and it's on camera. You can see it. It's the way the way the show comes. It feels disjointed and a, a bit jarring in places. It's not quite gelling perfectly. It's not. It's not firing and flowing on all cylinders. Uh, obviously, there's a bigger context, uh, which is totally understandable. Uh, oh, then of course the little gag Jamie did earlier was like, but they have kept running like a hundred shows a month. <laughs> it's not like, <laughs> they've not gone maybe. We should, maybe we should just slow down a little bit. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's do more shows than we used to. That's <laughs> 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 the idea. But, it, um, yeah, it, I feel like... I, I like show. And once, I feel like once he gets to be showcased a bit more in this role, I feel like I'll gel with it a bit more. I'm not somebody who gets immediately turned off a wrestler because there's constant interference on their behalf. I can still enjoy those matches. Like, even with Evil, a sign I could do it was his... I think it was his first defense against Hiramu. I loved that match. Yeah. I, I thought that was fantastic. That was like the um, only good match from that mm, run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> but it proved it can be done. <laughs> yes, Hiromu is a special, special wrestler. But it, it proved it can be done. The heat generated, uh, the hot fire with Hiromu, the beloved response from the crowd. Like, Hiromu was the most popular person on earth, which also means evil's doing his job, because for Hiromu to get to that point. But yeah, the majority of the matches, it's ne- he's never reached that point since, it's fair to say. Um, and it, it, the idea of him as a like a champ, because apparently the word coming out was Dick Togo wanted Evil to win on night two, uh, have a very short reign, and then Shingo wins it back, to which uh, Gedo was more like, let's just have Shingo keep it then. Thankfully, Gale still had some sense and was like, nah, yeah. p- nah player, <laughs> we're, not doing, <laughs> we're not doing that. Uh, oh, what was the gif I saw? Oh, it was uh, the guy going, whoa, 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 hold on, now you got too much dip on your chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, this whole uh, house of torture stuff, uh, yeah, this this is this is rough, uh, but back to the match, so show, there, there was a ref bump, uh, he gets a, a chair in the ring, at one point, Yo gets a chair, and he's kind of teasing, like he's going to hit Yo with it, but he just couldn't bring himself to hit his former tag team partner, um, he goes for the direct drive, but show hits a low blow. He grabs the chair, hits it over Yo's head, and um, then he puts Yo into a uh, triangle choke. Ref stoppage. Uh, show gets the the big win here, and then post match, Evil comes out with Dick Togo and Yujiro, and they hand him a House of Torture Bullet Club shirt, and um, shows that Show is now Bullet Club. Which I think was pretty, you know, much set once he came out. Like I heard, you hear the music, and it's like, yeah, it kind of sounds like Evil's music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he comes out and he's wearing like evil-like robe and colors, and I'm like, you know, mm. everybody's like, oh yeah, shows joining United Empire. As soon as he walked out, I'm like, this man is joining Bullet Club, isn't he? <laughs> and, and lo and behold, yeah. <laughs> uh, the the House of Torture and that—that that is the, the best faction name for these set of wrestlers. The, the House of Torture, because all these men torture us with their wrestling. Uh, Dick, Dick Togo tortures tortures us with his booking ideas, his creative quote unquote creative ideas. Um, you know, poor show. He he's going to have to, to carry this unit uh, alone. <laughs> Yeah, oh, poor, poor show. The, the men that are with was it Togo, Evil, Yujiro, and Show. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't jump off the page. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, Show feels like the highlight of that little group. And if it elevates Show, I'm not. It's like oh, if it serves its purpose. It's one of those things again. If it serves its purpose, can I go too crazy on it? And then. But then I think how many evil matches are going to have to sit through this G one? <laughs> it's like ah, yes. right. Yeah, yeah, I I can I can whinge. I'm British. <laughs> We're born for this. Yeah, and the reports are saying too, and a lot of this comes from uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. Joe Landon, you take out his uh, Patreon there. He gets a lot of uh, inside news going on in the wrestling world, and so uh, part of that report was talking about you know show. Also, kind of being, you know, not totally thrilled to join Bullet Club and have to do all this, you know, cheating and shenanigans, but at the same time excited to get the singles push. And, you know, Gato was kind of reluctant on breaking up Rapungi 3K, uh, but Sho and Yo were down fit. They, they both want to be single stars, but yeah, I just don't know. This is 
the right way to get show over, especially once we, we saw show in some single moments, you know, the, the, the feud with Shingo Takagi the last couple of years and some of the stuff that he's been doing in best of super juniors and singles matches when yo has been out. Uh, it, it's very clear that show could be like a hot baby face star. Mm. So I think we will say it, it's a, I was a bit worried of a thing that we've seen from WWE quite often where because you're expecting one person to do the turn because it just would make sense, they do the other one because you're not expecting it. When the reason you think it would be the other is because it would make sense. There's that story there. The amount that show impressed and Yo coming back and the team just not clicking but show still getting all of this praise. It, it would make sense that that would hurt Yo. It would make all the sense in the world. So the fact that they went the other route and had show turns instead, I'm a, I'm, I'm kind of with you that we saw how incredibly strong show could be, and he would feels like naturally he'd get more of a kind of babyface reaction uh, purely because of what we've seen because he was there, yo coming back and him he being the one that would uh, reach the end for me that's it, it made more sense in my head and. I was about to jump further ahead into the questions. Actually, I'll hold off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. So, yeah, so we had a question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. He says, what's next for Yo? Yeah, which is what I was mid-sentence about to point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, that's a really good question. Because after this, it's like, well, Show's joined the club, uh, the, the, tor- the Tortured Boys. And so he's kind of like left now in chaos without really much of a direction. And while it made, that's why like him, like if it was Yo to join Bunny Club and Show was the one with that fight, suddenly because we've seen the show without Yo already, you, you're not asking these questions. You already know. Uh, we're a bit in the dark here with this one. I assume Yo's just going to chaos about, have best of the super junior performances, eventually go for the title. Maybe show going for the junior title might be the thing that triggers it. Personally, I want to see show in like and me already. I want to see him in the Never Boys spot, <laughs> tearing it up there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know what's next for you. Yeah, I, I think Yo needs to leave Chaos. Um, not saying he needs to turn heel or anything, but I just feel like he's just kind of stagnant there in Chaos, and I feel like this, you know, Rapungi 3K breakup is kind of like. I don't know. I feel like Chaos is just up in flux right now, and I feel like he needs mm. to kind of leave Chaos and join maybe a stronger unit, a unit that will have his back more. I think it would be pretty cool to see him join like Lij. You know, he he has mm. that that um, you know Mexico influence from their time, and him and Show did excursions in Mexico as Fusion and Ryzen in, in CMLL, and uh, I believe there was some you know Naito looking you know had some interest in Yo as a young lion as well. So they can kind of, you know, make that all kind of full circle, which I thought was going to happen on night two when we had the, the LIJ, you know, run out. I was like, oh, man, that'd be cool if, like, Yo kind of came out mm. to, like, fight off Bullet Club and align with LIJ. But maybe that's something down the line. But, yeah, I, I think he needs something. He needs to change something up now since the, with this Rapungi 3, 3K breakout or else he's just going to fall stagnant and he's going to become mm. the Marty Yonetti, like we said, <laughs> that we joke about. <laughs> that, that could really happen if they don't do something different with this guy. Not only did you come, uh, say a better idea, uh, jokey, uh, a better idea than I did, he'd made a better pun than I was going to make. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, my, my, my joke idea was uh, he could form a tag team within Chaos and call it Yo Shihashi. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, the, the t-shirts will print itself with, the, with that team name. <laughs> uh, yo, Kihashi. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I, I tried to go for the uh, call like, hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question here from Mark NATO 90 says, reports today that Dick Togo is pushing for show to work a similar style to evil. Do you see show winning super juniors and becoming evil junior? I mean, not literally, <laughs> <That'd be shit>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in essence it's possible. Yeah, it is possible. And that would give our answer for what happens to yo. If we have a show and yo junior title match at one of the best of kingdom days, that gives us something. We thought like it's a bigger match you can put on than that, but uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a few juniors you could elevate. I feel, I feel like Hiromu is so incredibly popular. Do you just feel a little bit test him slightly higher up? I don't mean like permanently, but I don't know. Ligad is, has had different runs throughout the company. He could try. He doesn't have to always be in the junior scene. He can kind of have a little taster elsewhere. Uh, and then he can give show time to show and Yo to do their little thing in that division. I thought, Maybe, well, I don't know if it is a mistake to keep him wrestling Yo. Because, again, that's a WWE trope. You enter a few, you wrestle them for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. over and over. Well, well luckily, <laughs> we, we have G1 coming up, which will take up like, you know, the next two months. And you know, juniors are not going to be on this tour. So there will be a little bit of break for the next time we see these guys. They're probably not going to wrestle again until the uh, Super Junior, uh, best Super Junior tournament happening at the end of this year. But as far as show winning the tournament, I think it really all depends. I know we're, we're seeing this kind of power struggle in the booking right now with Dick Togo and Gato and kind of the direction things are going to go. And I'm sure if it was up to Dick Togo, he, yeah, he would want one of his guys to kind of get the full push and win the tournament. But there's also the Desperado and Hiromu story that they told in last year's finals. And a lot of people were expecting a, a title rematch at some point this year. So, also, we talked about three domes. I, I feel like a Hiromu Despi match is the one of the biggest possible matches you can do for the junior title. Yeah, it felt uh, like it, I suddenly felt it when Despi came out. It's like, yeah, he feels like a somebody within this division. It feels like a big name. Uh, he's got a presence to him now, which is it's great, it's great to see, given how, how low down Suzuki Gun he was for so long. Uh, he generally does have a presence about him. And yeah, I totally agree. It's the biggest match they can do. Uh, no knock on Bobby Eagles; he's putting on great stuff. But it's just like high, high caliber kind of names and matchups you can do for uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, to- totally agree. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be very disappointed if we get a Super Juniors full of show, low blowing ref bumps. <laughs> Garot wires, juniors getting choked out. Like, that's awful. Like, nobody wants to see that. So, hopefully, it's not as bad as evil. Um, but, yeah, not, not looking forward to seeing show uh, adapt this new, you know, getting heat uh, directive <laughs> from Mr. Dick Togo. Yeah. I mean, he gets heat from me for whatever face he's putting in his entrance. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is that face? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Uh, it's the mystery. It's a mystery that you don't, don't don't know what it is. That's what it is. It's the mystery of the show. What is behind those eyes? Uh, and last question here from Dalhui One Hundred and One. Any thoughts on the overall match between Yo and Show? What does the future look like for both guys? And which was better, 
between Prince Devitt versus Getaguchi at a Beijing Tech 2014 or show or show at Wrestle Grand Slam? Oh, that's hard. I mean, the difference Prince Devitt and Taguchi had an atmosphere. And I think <laughs> that's just going to automatically elevate it. And, and plus, Devitt turning on Taguchi is what caused AEW to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. so long term storytelling. That that <laughs> that whole that whole feud is responsible for the the hottest mm. North American company right now. So, I'm gonna go with <laughs> with that match. <laughs> but yeah, like you mentioned, it, it doesn't have the atmosphere. Uh, there's just so much different going on. In 2014, that's happening right now in 2021. So, yeah, I would go with Devitt and Taguchi. And we kind of already gave our thoughts on the match. And, you know, going forward, I I think, like I said, I I think Yo just needs to do something else and shake it up and really, you know, do something to break out. And it seems like Shell's just going to be stuck, you know, being the, you know, head bullet club heater in the junior division. Even tighter pants. That's what you should do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's possible, but (laughs) if he's going to yo, go full yo. Well, let's talk now about the KOPW I Quit match with Toro Yano defeating Chase Owens 28 minutes in three seconds. I like how you've, uh, in these notes, you've got title change written in all capitals with three exclamation marks well, <laughs> this match. Well, 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 the secret is yeah. I copy a lot of stuff from Cage Match. <laughs> so that's what they do. Oh. They, they do like, the title change, all cap, third exclamation. It, it was not because I was excited. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> about this match. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard you talk about <laughs> these ones of match before. Uh, this was more of that. And even... Uh, I will say, I like the idea of old-school Toro Yano, of great bash heel Toro Yano. I don't like the idea of it going 30 minutes. <laughs> like, this is, uh, yeah, it, it would have been like normal King of Pro Wrestling, though. Just, what, like 10 at most. <laughs> just pure foot, just pure go at it for this amount of time. Yeah, uh, the funny thing yeah, is, I like, I didn't originally didn't think this match was that bad. Like I see a lot yeah, of people same. like going like one stars and like burying it completely saying mm-hmm. it's the worst New Japan match ever. And I'm starting to realize like because I was a little sleepy being up <laughs> watching the show. Like I'm thinking that I might have like fallen asleep in the middle of this match <laughs> and like woke back up and was like, hey, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> They were on the outside for ages, so yeah. there's a chance. Honestly, all I really remember from this match was, like, Chase doing that package power driver to Yano on the tables and them not breaking. <laughs> yeah, again, I liked the idea, but it, it the amount of time for me, it, you know, I was bored by the end of it, which isn't a great... And I'm doing other things. I'm checking Twitter. I've zoned out of the match, which isn't a great sign. Really, and I'm a massive Toriano fan. Like I love me some Toriano. He is a like if I'm making a G1 block, Toriano is my first pick. <laughs> to, to like I'm putting him somewhere in there. He is perfect for the G1. He, for me, he's one of the MVPs every single year. I love that man. <laughs> but I was bored in this match. <laughs> I stopped paying attention, uh, which. Kind of said something, given how highly highly I rate him. It, 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 yeah, it was it was fine to begin with, but they just didn't finish, <laughs> which is 
yeah. A bit of a shame, really. Like, King Pro Wrestling shouldn't be getting 30 minutes. Right. I mean, they have already established that KLPW is kind of a opening card, you know, white kind of comedy act gimmick. It's not to be taken seriously whatsoever. And now they try to take it seriously and gave it way too much time. Mm. And, yeah, just kind of bogged this card down. You know, uh, before we started recording, you know, we were kind of talking about the, you know, pros and cons of pandemic shows. And we were talking about, you know, G1. You know, one of the pros is, you know, you're mainly just getting the tournament matches, no undercard. But one of the cons is you have to fill time. So a match like this on a normal non-pandemic card would probably have gotten... 10 minutes, if that. But now on this pandemic card where it's one of the featured matches, it, it has to get close to 30 minutes. Mm. Which, yeah, which sucks, really. Like, is it the longest match on this on this card? I think it. It is. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's the longest match of the night, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it didn't warrant a time that long. And again, my kind of side in that is ice zoned out it slowed down a bit too much for me yeah and uh, I, i'm pretty yeah. confident i fell asleep in the middle because i've had to because i because <laughs> i was like yeah this wasn't so bad like, i keep seeing reviews and i'm like you know i don't remember half of this stuff like <laughs> 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 oh man yeah this this was yeah not good this should this <laughs> yeah i man lost for words that just how rough this <laughs> was yeah. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, not great, not great, no. Uh, we had a question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. He says, Yano almost gouged out the eye of Chase Owens. Will we see a future matchup with Tyler Black in an eye-for-an-eye match? Uh, and I wrote next to it in the, <laughs> in the notes, just, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is the next step. <laughs> it's King of Pro Wrestling. It, there's a there's a time and a place for a silly gimmick like that, and King of Pro Wrestling is that time and is that place. <laughs> you you can do it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. For those who didn't see it, yeah, Yano he pulled out a, a pair of scissors, kind of linking back to you know the, the Great Bash Heel days where he cut Hiromu's hair as a young lion, um, and he was threatening to gouge out Chase Owens' eye with the, with the scissors, which Chase finally said he quit. So yeah, I mean at, at this point, you know you might as well let, let's get Seth Rollins on a plane. Let's do this uh, eye for eye match here. Main event. Surround the ring with spiky things. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Main event of the third night of the dome. <laughs> I mean, it's Tyler Black. You promote that. Uh, next question here from Zach Porter. Probably this is actually supposed to be up on the Bullet Club match with Show and Yo. Is uh, factoring in the formation of House of Torture, would you say that Yo was the real winner in losing the show? <laughs> uh, I mean, the fact that we were saying we can't see any direction for him, what does he do? Probably not, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, once the junior tags, and once, once we get towards that run towards Metal Kingdom, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I don't know if Show might lose a bit of momentum if, like we were saying, there's that fear of just he becomes evil junior and he just does what evil does and this match has just become a bit uh that, that's the worry that's the worry i feel like um the other body club members that show how to integrate it really well like El Fantasmo and taiji jimori uh, which you get to talk about later they integrate doing the heel stuff really well but without going a 
bit too far the other way, which kind of evil does. Uh, let's show the balance can happen. So fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Yo could end up the winner here because even if Sho does have some good matches and he kind of integrates a cheating, kind of like you mentioned, like ELP and, and Taiji do, uh, doing their matches, he's still going to be bogged down with the House of Torture. He's still going to be associated with evil in Dick Togo and Nujiro. And, you know, you're guilty by association. So that that whole the whole reputation of, of those guys are, are going to bring him down no matter what he does. So I think in the end, Yo does end up winning. He can have, you know, good matches without interference and, you know, cheating and, you know, telling a story and making quote-unquote moments. So, yeah, I think, I think Yo might be the winner here. Uh, he also asked, would you consider Okada the worst faction leader considering all the no pun intended chaos that happened under his watch examples, the Jay Gato leaving or Pungi three K split and bill just being himself, etc. He, uh, he sucks at spotting someone that would turn on him. Like <laughs> really you recruited Jay White. Really? <laughs> you, you deserve that one. <laughs> uh, in kayfabe, I Guess yes, because people keep turning on him. Or is he so good that people want to make a name for themselves via him? I, I think Okada is the New Japan version of Sting, where people, <laughs> people just kept Damn it. <laughs> kept turning. Lex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, like we've been saying for the last year or so, chaos has just kind of been up in flux. Doesn't even even really feel like a faction. You really don't see them kind of as a, a unit, really. I mean, you, you kind of have the, the six-man champs doing their own thing. Okada's doing his own thing. Robbie Eagles is doing his own team, team with Tiger Mask, Junior Champ. Like, they're all over the place and not really, like, a collective unit. So, you know, we, we talked about, you know, Yo leaving. I just think there needs to be probably just a whole shakeup in the faction system, and I think Chaos just needs to either, like, kind of blend into Hantai, which, which pretty much is already doing, or, like, you know, you have somebody with another person turn within chaos, but takes over the group and boots Okada out. Well, in terms of like the structure of it as well, I think in terms of evil as well, I have him split from Bullet Club. Yeah. I don't, especially as when Jay gets back, what you got that's that's the caveat there. Um, you can just you, you can use him right now to kind of keep the group alive, give him a bit of purpose. But once Jay can be fully back then I don't quite see the point of even being in the group. I, and I'm not a massive fan of a faction having sub-factions within it. <laughs> You've reached a point <laughs> then. <laughs> You've gone too far NWO. <laughs> Just rein it back yeah, or uh, split them off for me. Yeah, the, the news report that came out from Joe Lanza also included that, yeah, the, the Dick Togo's idea is for House of Torture to break off and you do a another Bullet Club Civil War like what they try to do with the elite and the firing squad uh, back before they left uh, New Japan. Because, I mean, I look at other stuff and, like, uh, the people Jay White's recruiting, like, for Bullet Club and his version of Jay White, I thought his version of Jay White, his version of Bullet Club, uh, like, uh, Chris Bay is a fantastic recruitment. <laughs> yeah. He is amazing. Uh, obviously, as somebody watched with the New Japan stuff, if we get to see Chris Bay a little bit more, I'm not going to complain. I think he's an amazing addition to the Bullet Club. I'd love to see. He's the perfect kind of cockiness. You can see why Jay White would like him. And uh, so that kind of gets me excited. 
but yeah, anyone associated with the House of Torture, it just yeah, it feels. Uh, <laughs> 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 Which yeah. is why I want to split it off a bit. I think Bullet Club is fine without the House of Torture people there. The, the faction feels strong. It feels like they've got an identity to them without that group of people. Yeah, and I'm not really thrilled about seeing a Bullet Club Civil War between <laughs> those uh, two units there. So yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see what um, eventually does end up happening. But yeah, I, I feel like even from the, the start, Evil should have probably just started a, a new faction when he left LIJ. Mm. I felt I, I understood. Yeah. I understand that they were trying to find like a, a figurehead for Bullet Club while Gaijin's couldn't get in and Jay couldn't get in. But I just feel like for his character and for what they're doing with him, it would have made sense right from the beginning to give him his own new faction and not just take over Bullet Club. You know what? I'd be fine with a split with no animosity. They like he just <laughs> evil just gives in his keys. <laughs> it's just to the, to the Bullet Club house. <laughs> I'm kayfabing it. He just, just, just literally just a video package where he just gives over all his Bullet Club stuff and they just amicably they just leave with no beef whatsoever. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. What what um, I want is a uh, Ruby Soho like video package of <laughs> Evil getting on a train and <laughs> just never coming back. <laughs> uh, uh, leaving the other three in disarray. Uh, what do we do? No, no, yeah. Take Dick Togo with him. <laughs> uh, let's move on uh, to the semi main event here from night one. We had the Aloha maker, Jeff Cobb, with Great Okan defeating Kazuchika Okada, 27 minutes, 41 seconds. Yeah, I love these matches between these two. Um, I think I feel like I'm already at this point where because we saw this not that long ago uh, back in Tokyo, I'm when I saw it, I wasn't hyped for this match, even though like it's Coppers the Carter. Whenever they wrestle, it's great, but it's just because we've seen it so recently that I, I didn't really have any hype for it. And then they had a great match. A lot of it, it felt a lot of it felt very similar to their last match. So again, nothing has really blown me out of the water. But then Okada is where he is in this company for a reason. You get to the final five, ten minutes of the match, and he's just suckered right in. There's so many counters. <laughs> it's going great. And then you have that ending of uh, this special thing that New Japan do, uh, uh, which I, I I have to slam on WWE for <laughs> whenever I watch this. The wrestlers are having their match. And on this occasion, on their second match, Jeff Cobb was like, well, last time this happened, so I'm going to do something different this time. And he wins. <laughs> like for me, this is how you 50-50 book. You do it over you have two if you're gonna have two matches close to each other, still make sure it's months apart, not next week. And they don't then wrestle the week after either. <laughs> and and you have them like learn from the previous match. And I think that was my favourite part when it hit that final sequence and you saw similar sequences the last time playing out, but this time Cobb had learned and he adapted and did something new. And that's where the Okada special really comes in because you think, oh, Cobb's counted it, but then Okada will counter back. <laughs> and he hit an amazing string, and Cobb's got to really work for that win. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on whenever it comes, I just love Okada. When he gets those final five minutes, it's so special. Uh, and on a stage like this against an opponent like Cobb, uh, I, I really like that they gave him the win here as well. Trying to, whilst we say this quite a bit, but whilst the leader's away, kind of re establish somebody else, it sucks. 
it's the kind of era we're in. Like this G1 is missing a missing a lot of heavy hitters. You can sense it. But they're doing a good job of Jeff Cobb. If there's one bright side, it's that Jeff Cobb gets a bit of a beefy push off of this. Yeah, we've been talking about it all this year. You know, Cobb's been absolutely killing it this year since turning heel, joining the United Empire. Uh, he's you know really figured out some of the stuff he was missing in his initial um, run in New Japan as a babyface. So yeah, I love Cobb, and I love the the Cobb Okada combination. I do think the Tokyo Dome match was better than this match. But I think part of this, why I didn't like this match as much as part of it was the atmosphere. It was just so dead, especially after following that KOPW match. I think it really kind of hurt many people's, like, attention or just, you know, will to even get into this match. Um, but I, I thought it was really good, and there was just a lot, like you mentioned, it's a lot of innovative counters. Um, I love the spot where Okada's going for his signature dive over the guardrail and Cobb just catches him in midair and then slams him down. Like, that was an awesome spot. And Cobb has had a lot of just uh, awesome moves like that where he's just kind of catching Okada out of midair and just slamming him. Uh, yeah, really strong. And the uh, I, I, I think I just talked about it already with the adaptions of Cobb and uh, the way it fed into the ending. I was a massive fan of yeah, the huge um, avalanche tour of the islands from the top, followed by the the regular tour of the islands. Yeah, that was a cool little finishing combo right there. Gets Cobb his first single win over Akata, and kind of a, a big, a really big win for Jeff Cobb, and just kind of shows you where the company sees him right now. Because you know, at first he was just kind of a, a mid card never guy that will kind of go back and forth with Goto. Now he's he's beating the ace of the company. And I, like I said last week, I think he's going to be somebody to keep your eyes out for in G1. Um, I think this is a year for him to to make a run. I could see him potentially ending with like 10, 12 points, being one of those guys that's at the top of his block. I can't tell if he's going to have the Ishii run or the what like true contender at the end. Because Ishii normally finishes upper middle uh, uh, with a load of classics under his belt. As in impressive. You, he's one of the MVPs. People are talking about him, but he wasn't like near the top winning. Um, I can't decide if he's going to be that or he's going to. He's going to have. I think he's definitely going to have the best G one he's had so far. I feel like that's that's not, with it not like it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Excited. And we had a question from Dom Homie One Hundred One. So the English commentary comments about Okada's lack of leadership. Is it possible that the comments would be could be a tease for a storyline in the near future? I mean, it does kind of feel like chaos has served its purpose in uh, New Japan. Like it's around because it's chaos rather than it feels like it, it serves a strong purpose. It's there because it's there. Uh, and that's not always a great reason <laughs> to kind of keep it there. It's there because se- they sell chaos uh, towels. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yano sells DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, to be fair, probably continue to happen anyway. Um I mean, he can always create something new, do something else. It doesn't have to be purely chaos. The ones that are more, that Okada likes more specifically, could kind of, st- well, to be fair, that's what chaos mostly is nowadays. They're not one to be heavily recruiting. They're not like Bullet Club, it's fair to say. They, but they're not like LIJ either. I think one part of it is LIJ has such a strong identity that mm-hmm. chaos is, just feels a bit weak in comparison. They're just 
bunch of baby faces. Yeah, I feel like all the other factions, like LIJ has a strong identity, Bullet Club has a strong identity, United Empire has a strong identity, and then you get, you get chaos, and it's just kind of like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of guys having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, they love to have fun. That's it. There we go. I found it. There we go. They just they love to have. It's the best wrestling character descriptor you hear all the time. <laughs> oh, they just love to have fun. <laughs> That's what they are. Well, let's uh, move on to the main event of night one. Here we have the IWGP United States Heavyweight Title on the line here as the champion Hiroshi Tanahashi in his first defense since winning the title at Resurgence from Lance Archer. He defended the title here against his tag team partner, the Golden Ace, Kota Ibushi. Ibushi's first match back after suffering from pneumonia and being out for such a long time here. Uh, what do you think of this matchup here? 17 minutes, 47 seconds. Kind of a, a shorter main event in the New Japan yeah. world. Yeah, I um, I w- wasn't expecting like anything near these two's best, given the circumstances. Uh, it was fine enough. Uh, it was... It felt more like a Tanahashi match to me, and that's something I'm very familiar with in terms of the rhythm of, to the point now where it kind of feels, when I say it feels a bit formulaic, I still mean I enjoy it. it I don't mean it like, when I criticize WWE and I'd say that, I don't mean it like that. I mean, uh, I was trying to think about it. Kind of like if you watch a Jeff Hardy match and mm. you know the sequence he's about to go into, and you know the way the matches are meant to kind of... Uh, it is prime, not nowadays. <laughs> where you're meant to... Uh, the way they kind of would go, the, the rhythm of it. I get a bit like that with Tanahashi matches sometimes, purely because I've just watched them, watched so many of them. It's difficult for him to surprise me anymore. I still pop. They still get me. Uh, I still really enjoy the rhythm of them. I can just uh, read them to a certain point. And I think that's that's more of a me problem. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a good match. It was entertaining. Um, it's not a bit, cause obviously Ibushi was never going to be at his best. Like I wasn't expecting G1 climax final between these two. Like level of stuff, uh, and I think it was a good idea to have it be shorter as well. Especially as with the past two matches, I, I was a bit fatigued going into this one. I didn't feel massively up for it. Uh, both guys' themes back to back. It does go okay. Yeah, business time. <laughs> but I like. I wasn't like I wouldn't say I was like super hyped to stay focused and paying attention to it, even though it's, it's Tanahashi Bushi. I think I was just a bit tired <laughs> coming into it. I was uh, like watching Kenny Omega Christian. It's like I, I'm just tired at this point. It's still good. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a bit sleepy. Yeah, you're when you're on your 20th slice of pizza. It's like <laughs> yeah, this, this is still good, but I am so full. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought this was a really good main event. I mean, it's Ibushi and Tanahashi. Obviously, there's a lot of factors here working against them. The the dead atmosphere, the you know the not great matches ahead of them. Ibushi coming off of a two months being off and you know probably almost dying. I mean, beginning of this match, he was cr- just crying, tears of joy being in the ring. Both him and Tanahashi were crying, so it must have been you know super serious. Um, with that sickness that he had. Uh, but yeah, a lot of things were going to get him, but I felt, still thought they told a great story. Also, coming in cold, I mean, there was really no build-up for this match. It was just Tanahashi saying, yes, I want to fight Ibushi. <laughs> and Ibushi saying, yes, I want to fight you too. Here, here you go. Uh, 
But besides, you know, all the negative, I thought this was still a, a great main event. Uh, probably the weakest match between these two, but like I said, still, still great match. And in this match, like you mentioned with Tanahashi, like you just saw how freaking good this guy is with his selling and just the way he puts a match together, and like the the, the way he was blocking the Kamigoi at the end with like crossing his hands and like firing up like. I just love that. I got really into that closing stretch when he was uh, you know, blocking all those Kamigoyes. Mm, yes. I, I Again, it's Tanahashi. I still really enjoy his closing sequences. He always finds a way to to jump up into that sling blade. <laughs> he always finds a way. And, yeah, I they're still, they're still really strong, and I was still into the match. Um, I think the thing that got me the most was really just like the after the match, like afterwards, where like Tanahashi's crying. You can see just how much, like, mm. w- whatever level of seriousness it was, it was enough where Tanahashi is like tears of joy, it looked like, type of, in a. It's, uh, uh, I, I, I was trying to read, uh, I, I realized I'm not very good at reading the emotions of foreign people. <laughs> it's like, yeah. No, I can read the facial expressions of my own people. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. But yeah, <laughs> it's only dawn on me. Um, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, the, the end of the match stuck with me more than the match itself did. Um, but maybe the fact the match itself happened is maybe more important than the thing. Like like CM Punk versus Darby Allin. The ma- the quality of the match didn't really matter. The fact that it took place was the bigger thing than the actual quality of it. Yeah, and I thought Abushi still looked good in this match. Obviously, he wasn't a hundred percent, but he still hit a, a golden triangle moonsault, which he really doesn't do that much often. He did some springboard stuff. He the Kamigoye looked great. The V triggers looked great, and a lot of like the the counter stuff that he was doing, like he was keeping up with Tanahashi. Again, it wasn't super high pace. It, it wasn't their, you know, G1 final match they had. Um, but it was still a, you know, two of the best guys on the roster having a, a very good professional wrestling match and told a great story coming in cold and so many factors working against them. But like you mentioned, you know, the post-match, very emotional as well. Uh, both men tearing up and, uh, you know, Ibushi bowing to Tanahashi. And I think they've just kind of created a, a little, like, Redemption and rebuild story here for Abushi, coming off the sickness. Um, you know, because it was the guy that was the world champion at the beginning of the year, and so many things have have gone wrong for him this year. And so I think it's kind of the start of rebuilding Abushi and kind of he's probably going to struggle through the G one and just kind of find his way back to the top of the card. Mm. Yeah, uh, actually, what else about title? But we'll get to the G one later. Yeah. Um, and so before we move on to night two, question here from Raising Falcon. He says, I find it refreshing that Tanahashi versus Ibushi was only 17 minutes long. I'm pretty tired of the 30-plus big match main events. After a while, it gets tiring and too predictable that both guys will go for more than half an hour. Ibushi and Tanahashi put on a solid match, and nobody looks weak. So not really yes, a question, uh, but more of a statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that hit me with the... It was Naito, Naito Sonada versus uh, Dangerous Techers from previously. Um, it just, they had like the thirty-minute epic match, and it felt like the first fifteen minutes of it you could skip. Like it was just, oh, oh yeah, you you didn't miss anything. They didn't really do anything. Um, 
and that's when it hit me. He's like, oh, yeah, when these matches feel like they have to be 30 minutes, sometimes you can feel like you're having your time wasted a little bit before they get to the action. And, yeah, so I feel like this match really benefited from not having any chance of that, like no no headlock starting or anything. It's like, eh, then we're <laughs> going to quickly, quickly get into it. Yeah. But, unfortunately, this is the one match on this card that I would have rather have gone 30 minutes mm, than yeah. <laughs> Chase and Yano or, you know, whatever else went long on this card. So, but also I understand why this match went short, but yeah, I don't think every match, every main event needs to be 30 minutes. I think you can tell a great story in 15 minutes and still be a great match and get high star ratings. Um, it's just that, you know, new Japan over the last five, six years, we, we have this kind of epic main event style. If we know we had our Kenny Omegas and Okada's and Jibata's and Nakamura's and, Tanahashi and Okada, we, we get these epic matches and they're awesome. The problem is not everybody can wrestle that style. Not everybody yeah. is Kenny Omega. Not everybody is Kazuchika Okada. Uh, yeah. so it, just, it doesn't work for everybody. It's perfectly fine to have four or five minutes of those big sweaty men bumping that meat. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Uh. All right, let's move on to uh, night two here. So once again, we opened up with a pre-show tag match from Stardom. Uh, Donna Del Mondo's Julia and Shuri, they defeated the team uh, from Queen's Quest, Momo Watanabe, and Saya Kamatani. I loved this match. Because uh, I, uh, I can't ever mention this on it. When we were talking about Stardom earlier, I loved this match, but it was so weird watching a match I was genuinely really enjoying to golf claps. Yeah. It was so strange. Like I think it was the moment when the uh, hit the poison rana, and I was just like, "Yeah, that whole sequence building to it was great," but it's like, "Oh, it's like, oh yes, that was lovely." <laughs> it's so strange. <laughs> <laughs> really weird. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's why I found it so strange to review. Yeah, and Julia and Shuri came out like super hyped up, super yeah. high energy, <laughs> like trying to get the crowd into it. And yeah, you hear like just golf claps, crickets. It's like, man. Oh, they did the whole dance routine, and Julie's got the mask and the, with the with the lights with the fancy mask and everything, and it just takes it off. And, Ta-da! It's like, <laughs> yes, very good. Yes, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, the match was great though. Yeah, love this. It was a great way to kick off the show. Uh, a lot of the women I really like enjoy watching in this match. Um, Julia, since she's been coming to Stardom, I think she's been awesome. I know a lot of people. Um, kind of are, are very critical of her matches, but I think she kills it every time and thought she looked good yeah, here. Um, Shuri has another one that's become quickly become one of my favorites just with the hard hitting uh, style that she has, the, the kicks and strikes she throws. Um, so her submission game here, she had the, the stretch muffler here to get the win. Uh, she's just so, she's like the, the, the never of, of stardom right now, how she just like <laughs> destroys people. Um, and then I've always loved uh, Momo's always been one of my favorites as well. So yeah, all four girls looked really good here. Yeah, and I, th- I think it was um, yeah, it was uh, each one got their time to shine as well. And uh, my one of my worries sometimes with tag matches is if you do the you do the rotation where you have uh, one person on the outside that just work down the other one type of thing. Mm-hmm. You enter a bit of a lull. And this match never entered that lull. Or, or you do that thing where you're building for the hot tag, brother. <laughs> gonna, oh, I'm going to get that heat. <laughs> there was no stomping mud holes. <laughs> Anything like that. We, Yeah, this was uh, like, I was about to say high energy, but that's not quite right. Because when 
with stardom was high energy, you bloody know it. <laughs> <laughs> but this, it was still uh, really, really, really strong opener. Yeah. Um, kind of your, um, I guess, like, it kind of reminded me of when the Usos were like proving themselves to say, no, we're going to, you put us on the pre-show, we're going to have the best damn match you've ever seen and we're going to steal the show on this pre-show. And they went out there with that level of energy, which is obviously they were met with a crowd that ca- can't say anything. <laughs> so it was really <laughs> strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, ha- they had the Hoss Usos match, but um, yeah, weren't, weren't really, they couldn't hype the crowd, which is <laughs> a shame. Uh, yeah. Still yeah. it, though. And I love a little bit of story healing they did from the first matchup where um, Kamatani, she couldn't hit the Phoenix Splash on Shuri. The Phoenix Splash is how she won night one. She was trying in the match to hit that on Shuri, couldn't get that hit, and that was ultimately the demise of the Queen's Quest team here. Mm, a beautiful Phoenix uh, Splash as well. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah, that's something I noticed with Stardom. They do moves you've seen before, but the nailed they performed so incredibly well. <laughs> they just it's like, oh, this is what it's meant to look like. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so then the uh, first match on the main card, we had the United Empire team of Great Okan and Jeff Cobb defeating the Chaos team of Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. Kevin Kelly put over Gokan and Cobb like they were like future tag team dominators. <laughs> like these are your future champions, guys. JBL putting over Chuck Palumbo. <laughs> He's gonna be a world champion, damn it. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is big. Uh, yeah, um it's feel it just yeah, it felt like more fuel to the Cobb fire. And I guess Okan as well. Uh, there's a lot of it, it felt really weird where Kevin Kelly felt like Okay, okay, I know my task here. I'm going to be built. We're building to the G1. We're going to make Gokhan and Cobb feel really strong going into the G1. But I can't say that the G1's got the blocks yet <laughs> because they weren't announced late in the show. So he was building to a thing that wasn't announced yet. And they did a really good job. Obviously, in hindsight, look back at it and you go, oh, yeah, that, that's why this match was like it was. That's why Kevin, the commentary was putting over the certain things that they were. Uh, but uh, it's quite quite funny now looking at it. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, you were trying to build to a thing that he couldn't say that he was building to. <laughs> so good stuff. Yeah, and I also think he's kind of secretly just kind of plant in our head just the dominance of them as a team because I'm sure they'll be in the World Tag League. And, you know, they are the one team. I mean, you look at their records, our boy Chris Sampsa pulling the stats. I mean, these guys have only had a few losses as a tag team this year, and they have not gotten a tag team title shot. So I can definitely see... Cobb and Ocon in the tag title picture around our second season. Well, that's the point, yeah. Because what do they do at best? That actually might be a really good shout for Wrestle Kingdom uh, to give them their big beefy boy or oh, their <laughs> NXT main event. Yeah, I'd be down for that. It feels like a good next step in the United Empire's evolution to have those two team together and uh, win some gold. Yeah. So the next matchup, we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles on the line. The Suzuki team of El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanamaru defeated Bullet Club's cutest tag team, El Fantasmo, Taiji Ishimori, new champs, 20 minutes and 28 seconds. Yeah, I I was wondering how this was going to go, given that they were both heels, but it means shenanigans galore. <laughs> <laughs> new Japan does these matches really well. I think I can't remember which, it was Suzuki versus someone, 
and uh, obviously the heel goes to brawl to the outside, and it's like, yeah, but you're against Suzuki. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does. Right. <laughs> you can't take Suzuki to the outside; he'll beat the crap out of you. Uh, and this was like that similar idea of uh, both teams are pretty cheeky. <laughs> uh, so it's just two two different teams, both cheating, both coming up with different ways. And I, uh, New Japan does this matches really well. They they know how to do heel versus heel. And this is another great example. Like, this is so full of character. And I think that's what we were talking about earlier with like the groups having identity. That really helps for, for a match like this. And I am all in on the El Fantasma gimmick. As in the whole thing with the shoe, <laughs> I am sacking on it. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I love the way that commentary talks about it, the way they put it over, the way the wrestlers are like on the brink of complaining to officials. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to send a worded letter. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the sudden death super kick uh, loaded boot gimmick has definitely been a, a great wrinkle to ELP matches. I, I've always uh, dug ELP. I think he. It's awesome heel, awesome wrestler. Um, and, yeah, there's this whole story of, you know, wrestlers trying to re- reveal what's in the boot and it never gets your feel and always backfired. Well, it backfired here for Bullet Club where um, ELP, the boot, gets pulled off and, you know, the Taiji and uh, I think it's Despy, they end up in a, a tug-of-war over the boot. Um, and then the boot ends up getting used on ELP. He gets knocked out, which uh, leads to... The Bullet Club team losing and Suzuki Gun regaining the junior tag team champions. And uh, Desperado selling for the people in Ro- the people in the, the the people for some reason bought tickets in those stands. <laughs> he's selling for them, <laughs> just screaming as he clutches his wrist <laughs> that he's been uh, broken. Uh, yeah, I really loved it. But my one note from this match for the thing that it kind of made me laugh the most or got the most out of me uh, was. Oh, I've got uh, Chris Charlton. <laughs> I, I, I told Jeremy that I'm going to mention this. <laughs> so, so well, it's part of the commentary, and Chris Charlton, for some reason, I, I could I could see what he was going for, but it felt like a bit they didn't know how to escape from. <laughs> like he's doing a bit of stand up comedy, but he just doesn't he doesn't know how to get out of it. <laughs> like, how do I how do I leave this bit? <laughs> Gonna wait for the last to die down because it all could have left there. I didn't know, did I? I'm still in the bit now. Like, oh, I could have gone there. It, it, the laugh was fine. It died afterwards. But I've still not left it. I'm still in the bit. <laughs> it felt like that. It was just constantly running on. And he, um, it was just, uh, for some reason, <laughs> just talking about, uh, you, know, you can train all sorts of things, but you can't, you can't train a face. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you can try, you can train your biceps. You can train your calves. You can train, train your forearms. And he just started listing loads of different muscles that you can train. <laughs> but, but you can't train a face. And then Kevin Kelly's like, and El Desperado with the jump. He's got the politeness to him, Kevin Kelly. He's like, yeah, sure. And Desperado jumps. <laughs> just, just, oh, it just really made me laugh. It just, it's kept listing muscles. <laughs> it's just like my favourite piece of commentary for the week. <laughs> it's just, uh, the, the quote, put it, put it, this, uh, laminate it. It's like, you can't train a face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we move on to the IWGP tag team title match in a three-way match here as Dangerous Techers, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr., they defended the title successfully against the Chaos team of Hiroki Goto 
and Yoshihashi and the LIJ team of Sonata and Naito. 26 minutes, 43 seconds. Um, this match also hurt with uh, some of the COVID issues with uh, the LIJ team having to be in quarantine because they were in contact with Bushi and Chingo, who t- tested positive for COVID a few weeks ago. And so they weren't really a part of the build this match. It was mainly all Techers and Goto and Yoshihashi. Yeah, and uh, I guess you could kind of sense it with the commentary as well, because uh, a, a big part of it was Goto and Yoshi putting over how strong they've been as part of the six man. There's, there's just something about this team they're really special. And then I watched them wrestle, and the thing that popped me the most was um, they were just I can't remember which person they were clubbing, but Goto and Yoshihashi's tag team was to just club someone over the back and then go, hey! <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> that that really got a reaction out of me. Um, I wouldn't say anything else like really stole my attention. It's like just little things that I, I guess, appreciated. And I guess the way I'd review this match is it was more of what we got previously with the uh, Lij versus Dangerous Techers, but now with Goto and Yoshihashi now and then jumping in, it didn't leave that much of an impression on me. It was it was fine, I guess. I think it's the, the length of it as well. I think it's a big part of it. I know they kind of, they do, they feel like they're carving an epic sometimes with these long tag matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, just when is it going to when they keep staying in? Uh, but I feel like the first half of them, I kind of, yeah, I struggled to, I feel like I could skip the first 10, 15 minutes of these matches and it wouldn't make a difference. I would have missed that amazing spot. <laughs> My favorite spot of the match, I would have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> but the overall story of what's happening they could get all of that across in like two, three minutes, and it goes on for quite a long time uh, before hitting the awesome final stretch of just just kicking out, staying in. Like, what is it going to take? Uh, the the can the, the uh, getting cut off at every side. Obviously, it's more chaotic in this one the, uh, with the extra team there. It's even more insane. Of well, what what is it going to take to close this match? Uh, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really I like this match a lot. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mind the longer time, especially in a match like this where there's multiple guys, because I felt like there was a great pace in here where you you always had something happening and guys the advantage of having a multi-man match. You can have guys kind of go in and out, in and out, in and out. And I thought they did a good job of that. I mean, we don't really see a ton of 30-way tag matches in New Japan, at least in the heavyweight division. We've seen a lot of multi-man junior stuff like the Bucks and uh, Rapungi 3K and Red Dragon and all those guys, but really don't get that much stuff in the heavyweight division. And I thought they did a good job here of pacing it out, getting having everybody kind of doing something. There wasn't a, really a lot of lagging. I think there was a lot of you know, great tagging in and out. Also, I think a lot of the focus on the story of Yoshihashi and Goto against Tekker, and so there was a lot of stuff there. And then Naito Tsunada kind of being that, that annoying fly that would kind of come in and kind of get in the middle of those guys. And so... Thought, thought Naito looked great, hit, you know, hit his top rope run. There was a lot of great uh, double team with Yoshi, Hashi, and Goto. And like you mentioned, great uh, closing stretch towards the end there where um, Taichi eventually gets to hit the Black Mephisto on Yoshi, Hashi, and they retain the titles here. Yeah, I, I would I would also say at this point, it definitely hit me that, because uh, I, yeah, I watched this after Jeremy messaged me earlier today, yeah, is there a chance? Imp? <laughs> chance? Uh, I I had watched Raw, I watched Raw, reviewed Raw uh, with the writing to get it ready for later. 
and then like done all the Photoshop and everything to do with that. Uh, so I, he was hitting me at this point, like, oh, yeah, I've watched a lot of wrestling today. <laughs> it really hit me. Uh, start, I definitely start to feel a bit of a wrestling fatigue at this point. So I don't know if these like, final three matches are ones that I, maybe not the main event, could go back <laughs> and watch it. Like, yeah, this match and the next match, if I went back and watched them on a different day, I might have, might enjoy them a fair bit. Uh, but, yeah, still, the, the, the ending sequence is still... Still incredible <laughs> in these tag matches. Dangerous Techers have, they feel like they've been a revelation to this tag division that was before. Because I remember being on the show before and the conversation was just like, these tag titles in New Japan, they mean nothing. <laughs> what teams are there? Uh, and now they feel completely revitalized under Dangerous Techers. Yeah, I think New York Techers are they're a great team and kind of a great kind of flagship team to have for the division. Uh, at the end of the day, I still think they can unify the, the heavyweight tags Ooh. and the junior tags have one overall junior tag division, especially right now with the pandemic and not even able to get a lot of teams in there. I think it would make a lot more sense. But, yeah, I think Daniel Tickers have done good work, and it's been good to get new challengers in there like Naito and Sonata and Goto and Yoshihashi and, and mix some things up from the, the very long G.O.D. feud they had at the beginning of the year. Then we move on to the semi-main event of the evening. We had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title on the line as the champion Robbie Eagles defends against the ticking time bomb Romu Takahashi, 24 minutes and 7 seconds. Yeah, I, I'm a massive fan of the Junior Heavyweight style <laughs> and and it's Hiromu. It's no surprise I enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah, I... Eagles has had a fantastic year. Him becoming champion was just like a, a perfect like feather on that cap. And I was getting to really show it. And the, the fact he's continuing to win is it still feels surprising that he's winning. So they're slowly they're slowly getting him over because he's facing like the big heavyweights of this division. It's, it's Despy next. Mm-hmm. And him continuing to win because uh, Gato likes those longer uh, veins. He's not someone who wants to do too many short veins dick <laughs> we'll keep on in mind what you proposed to him <laughs> but yeah the um yeah the yeah i really really enjoyed this match and i think it could be a surprise something about the junior heavyweight world where i'm just surprised when it's a submission win i'm expecting something with like a big impact like uh i guess him who's finishes both of them have that, that big impact there's something about them they normally come after right after a crazy sequence but bobby eagles kind of brings a different kind of closing pace to the matches purely just purely because it's a submission he's not doing a big flashy maneuver he's not doing a, a big uh, i guess big flashy in the sense of impactful big slam or something uh, he's wearing them down and he's getting them to tap and i, I appreciate that it, i like having different with the champions i like that there is that different feel i i, I highly rate robbie eagles and obviously being friends with uh, sam brown so sam I can't say a bad word about him in any fashion. (laughs) 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 I'm going to keep Sam as a friend. (laughs) I can't say anything else than that. Yeah, and the thing I love about Eagles, you know, limb work, you know, a lot of times when people work a body part, it it can really drag a match down. It can make the match boring. But the thing is, he mixes in, you know, high-flying offense with the body part. He does the, the springboard drop kick to the knee. He does the 450 splash to the knee. 
there's a lot of great high flying, high paced offense that he does that he does to work the leg over until he finally gets that Ron Miller special locked in. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Uh, man, overall, yeah, this was a, a great matchup here. You know, for a while, I feel like we've been really missing the the high-paced, kind of high-flying junior match. I feel like a lot of matches have been, you know, with Despy as champ, it was kind of more of a kind of a brawl-based uh, junior matches we were getting. And here we had Eagles and Hiromu. Great stuff. We, we got the, the, you know, the sunset bomb to the floor from Hiromu to Eagles, um, a lot of great counters uh, from their finishing moves. Uh, Hiromu desperately looking for the time bomb too, which he used to uh, defeat Doki on the, the go home summer struggle show that led to these two shows here. And just a lot of great counters from the big moves, but it just seems that Eagles was just one step ahead of um, Hiromu here in this matchup and was able to hit the 450 on the leg Lock Hiromu into the Ron Miller special. Hiromu desperately tried to get to the ropes. He was holding Red Shoe's hand, screaming, crying, but he was forced to submit. And so that's, that's a huge win for Robbie Eagles and just kind of shows you what management thinks about him. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, Gato likes establishing a champion, establishing a title run, um, giving some stability to a title. And so, yeah, I thought this is a really big win here for uh, Robbie Eagles, one of the best matches from the weekend. Both guys work really hard, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the next defense. Yeah, post match, uh, Desperado comes out asking for a rematch, and we're, we've seen the same trope that we've seen all year with the junior titles, where the tag champions, one of them challenges the main champion, and then the singles champion gets a tag title shot in return. So that's what we got here. Despy saying he'll give. Eagles a shot at the tag titles if he can get a shot at the junior title. In which I think we had a question yeah. about that too from uh, Mark Nand- Mark Nato ninety says so with Desperado putting his junior tag titles on the line. It wasn't clear if he was giving Eagles a title shot with a partner or putting it up title versus title. Commentators seem to think it was a title versus title match. Have you seen any more on this? Uh, I mean, from my understanding, it was what we've been seeing all year where. The one person, the champion, will get a junior tag title match first, and then with every challenging, will get a junior title match later. Yeah, I understood it as two separate matches as well. Yeah, I guess. And, and I liked the way where uh, Desperate was like, well, who's going to be a partner? And MVP was like, it'll Tiger. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tiger <laughs> match. <You know> <laughs> yeah. Like, we just did a junior tag league. Who else would it be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, you wrestled us, right? You remember this, right? 
like my old tag partner is a heel and the leader of the United Empire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's move on to the main event here for the IWGP World Heavyweight Title. The Dragon Shingo Takagi defeats Evil with Dick Togo, thirty minutes and twenty seconds. Thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So did, 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 did you so you watched this not massively later, but you didn't you didn't like wake up at four a.m. to watch it. No, I woke up I think like around seven or eight uh, my time in the morning. So it was like a few hours after the show had ended. Okay, <laughs> I was just gonna say that if you'd gotten up for this show, oh, yeah, I, I was oh, not. No. <laughs> I, I made the mistake of getting up early for the first night. And I, I was not doing that again, especially. With uh, evil Shingo main event, especially after the whole House of Torture thing, I sent our group chat. Cause I thought Evil was gonna win because, like, initially mm-hmm. I was like, it makes more sense for Shingo to win. There's a lot more storyline options you could do with Shingo, and plus it's just the better thing to do. Um, but as <laughs> soon as like the whole House of Torture stuff came out on night one, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> Evil <laughs> Evil's gonna win. Like, why would they debut this new stable and this new you know look and all this stuff if he wasn't going to win the title, but uh, luckily that that was not the case. <laughs> yeah, it ended up being a good MacGuffin. Thank you, Gado. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, but yeah, I I liked the bits where I, mean, I guess if we're talking about with the hero movie, where you see you see kind of glimpses of how this could work, like when like Evil's just been beating down on the babyface, and the babyface then starts running hot fire, and you get so many hoax spots and get really behind it when that's happening. But obviously it, it drags outside of that. And that's, I think it's my main issue with evil matches. They're fine if they're half this length. Obviously, it, they're still going to irk some. But for me, I guess if it's half this length, it's fine. Because the pace of that would more be evil gets in his evil stuff, but then there's not enough time to dwell on it. So then you get the hot fire a lot quicker. But at 30 minutes, you this like, the evil stuff's going to last about half of that if not more and that's like having 15 20 minutes of your life wasted <laughs> it's quite it's quite something um oh but he got that heat brother oh, oh he got that heat oh, yeah. he, he stomped and, down on Shingo. And, and it's not like you know the the action is hot and heavy for mm. all this match and then you do, you do the screw job finish at the end it's like no this match dragged on and you had just so much interference <laughs> Dick Togo, show and Nudro constantly getting involved uh, with the garrote wire, pulling the ref, pulling Chingo. It's like, at what point do you just not throw the match out? Or throw? It took forever for Red Shoes to finally be like, you guys need to go, I'm, I'm disqualifying evil. Like, that mm-hmm. should have been done, like, in the first five minutes of the match. Like, there was a match that we watched for one of the recommended matches. It was Finn Balor versus Alex Shelley when Balor just became the, the leader of the Bullet Club. And you had Tamatonga and Carl Anderson and Follett on the outside. And it's the beginning of the match. They're constantly getting involved. But then they get thrown out right at the beginning. And then Balor and Shelley have a great match because they're great wrestlers. And you still have a good match. Like, if you're going to do all this running in and interfering, like, get it out of the way in the beginning, get them thrown out, and then actually have a match. But it just goes on and on and on. (laughs) 
and it just it makes red shoes look dumb. It just it makes the whole promotion look dumb. Uh, and it's like at what point like do the rules not matter? Like you, you have evil always going out grabbing the chair in that stupid baseball spot. I, I just this was just horrible. I know people were hating on the Chase and Yao match, but to me this match was way worse because this is your main event. This is for the IWGP World Title. And you got it mucked up like it's a, a 24-7 with a bunch of guys just running around and, and no order, no no action. Like, this, this, this was absolutely horrible. Yeah, I think, I think for me the most offensive thing is the fact that it dragged, especially for a main event. That I can, and maybe, maybe this is what we're talking about, like the opposite from night one, where it's the main event, so you have it go on long. But they, they didn't fill it with anything. It's it went thirty minutes, yeah, but it it didn't feel like a main event. It didn't really. It was, it's one of those where once it started hitting that the hot fire of Shingo towards the end, it's more of a thank God yeah. <laughs> rather than a come on baby, you can do this type of thing. It, it wasn't it wasn't that. It was more okay. The ending, the end's coming. That's good. Which isn't a great side because uh, again my other thought was am i just wrestled out by this point i've watched what seven <laughs> hours of wrestling state <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah uh, but it was i was definitely i was done with the match for the before it reached uh, shingo's hot fire which is a bit uh so i was more grateful for it than excited by yeah the but even even in. shingo's like hot fire got interrupted because those guys mm. got thrown out and then dick togo comes back after Shingo hits Man in Japan and, and pulls the referee out, and he's trying to choke Shingo out, and then Yujiro comes back with the pimp cane, um, and then finally Lij comes out. Uh, Bushi is he's a real one; he's a real friend. Bushi's always the first one out. Uh, you can count on Bushi to have your back on, on a rough night. Uh, but yeah, finally the rest of these guys come out and get rid of Bull Club. Like all that, all this should have happened way earlier and, and let these guys wrestle. But no, they had to go through all the shenanigans and the, the heat and the quote unquote storytelling and moments and all this stuff. And, you know, all the smoke and mirrors and, you know, you usually use smoke and mirrors to um, help elevate somebody, but this didn't help anybody. This did not help this match. Didn't help evil. Didn't help Shingo. Uh, it, it just was a, a black eye on this match. And, you know, the, the, the few good parts that were in it just all it's overshadowed, overshadowed and cluttered by all this interference and, and shenanigans and, and run-ins and yeah this this was just straight trash which is a shame really because <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get into Shingo Shingo's uh, I said Shingo like he's Pingu <laughs> Shingo's title reign uh, but there's, there's something about it that feels um, like it's like I say, uh, it's like it, it like it's, it's pandemic affected. Like this is not the plan we'd like to be doing right now. Uh, and Shingo's kind of like, well, it, he's reliable. I'm going to put the belt on Shingo. He'll have some. He'll have great matches at the end of the card most of the time, depending on the opponent. Uh, he's reliable. We can put him there. Uh, and of course, he's respected. The fans will like to cheer for him. And yeah. But obviously, stuff like this isn't going to help <laughs> the perception of that. Well, the entire point is the quality of work that he's putting on will carry perfectly fine. Uh, the, yeah, 
then don't, don't put it with evil. <laughs> just yeah. don't fuck the match. <laughs> you know the style that evil's going to wrestle. Yeah. I feel like the way this title vein needs to go forward, it's just not the it's just not the right opponent. Especially if it's 30 minutes. Good God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good God. Evil is the reverse Bret Hart. You know, Bret was <laughs> the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Evil is the worst there is, the worst there was, and the worst there ever will be, and should never be in the main event ever, ever again. <laughs> uh, I'm not following that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got some uh, questions here. So our buddy Rich Latta over at One Nation Radio, he says, "What's worse for New Japan, Dick Togo or making their world champion fight?" Mixed martial artists in shoots. Uh, the uh, I mean, I'm, um, looking back at it, the learning about the sheer damage Nagata just being being this respected top potential ace guy and just getting his ass absolutely handed to him and all of it going away. <laughs> it's like oh, I, I'll stick with the martial arts shoots <laughs> like that one. Uh, it damaged people who were over, which is worse than people who aren't over <laughs> staying not over. Uh, that's true what, what, I don't know what's, what, yeah. oh, go what's ahead. worse boring or like actively damaging <laughs> yeah I don't know I'm going with Dick Togo uh, <laughs> you, you know at least with the mixed martial arts fight you can explain that hey man our guy just got his mm-hmm. ass beat by a real fighter like alright this guy's a trained shooter our guy wasn't that's what happened here you, mm-hmm. you have Dick Togo handing out you know as a uh, Jericho said, you know, bad ideas from bad creative. Uh, and and that, that's what we're getting from, from Dick Togo. And I, I feel like these issues could be easily avoided. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can, I can understand the appeal of wanting to put your guy in there with an MMA star. I cannot understand the appeal of trying to create a subunit of a bunch of horrible low-class wrestlers and putting them in the main event. Gotta, gotta get evil that second really short title run <laughs> that'll, that'll 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 elevate things Let, let's put let's put evil in there if a shooter and let's 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 do that for the next uh big evil match <laughs> when uh you know when a shooter umino comes back for his hot <laughs> thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, thought, yeah he's perfect to be evil <laughs> oh no uh, next question from Rambone Slam Pig is with the news that Dick Togo was pushing for another evil title reign recently coming out. Is it okay to start calling him the Japanese Vince Russo? And, and, well, I mean, it's when he starts with the gimmicks. Once the gimmicks start, when they start happening, <laughs> then, then he's Russo. <laughs> That's Russo's staple. <laughs> Just the sheer amount of ridiculous. <laughs> like, I was reading something oh, it was years ago, I was reading it, but it was on TNA, and in fact, they were just talking about. The moment you could tell the influence grew, because suddenly, out of nowhere, it's gimmicks galore. <laughs> just, everything's a gimmick match. Every kind of thing's got a gimmick tied to it. Uh, once that starts to happen, once Evil is champion, <laughs> and he's in this, and the lower card is just full of gimmicks, <laughs> uh, then he's Russo'd it. Yeah, now, thinking too too hard. <laughs> he's going too outside the box. Now I'm picturing uh, Dick Togo with a Russo accent in the back. Hey, Gato, bro. Bro, hey, I have bro, bro, <laughs> bro, hey, bro. <laughs> great idea, bro. We we put <laughs> evil in the main event, bro, and I come out with the garrote wire, bro, and, and I choke Shingo out, bro, and then evil wins the title. How about that, bro? 
Uh, oh, what voice would Gado have? <laughs> <laughs> I've gone for Teddy Long in my head like that. That don't work for me, player. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> player. <laughs> I very wisely didn't put on an accent. Stay <laughs> British for that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, 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 player. No, no. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> or he should. Um, have you seen the. Oh, I forgot his name. Omar, Omar from the Wire, passed away. Yeah, Michael, Michael something. Um, there's a video of him uh, talking to himself uh, as his different roles because uh, the whole uh, topic of it is being typecast as a black actor. So he's just constantly talking to himself as different versions of him, telling him, "No, it was this. No, it was that." And he's picturing loads of different versions of Gado just surrounding Togo. Uh, we have a question from EMJ does PR. He says, "What the fuck is going on in this company?" I feel like we've explained it. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell there's like it's backstage. It's it's not a hundred percent synergized, and maybe it is Togo going, "Good girl, dear bro." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it, uh, it's Togoism. Mm. <laughs> oh, you come up with the term already. <laughs> And like, like, like we mentioned earlier, like it just feels disjointed. Like you, you see this great Hiromu Eagles match. You see this great Tanahashi Ibushi match. You see all these good matches throughout the card, and then you get to where his fingerprints are, and you see the interference. You mm. see the cheating, the gimmicks, the garrotes, the low blows, everything. It's like you, you could tell his influence, and it's totally throwing off the whole show. And I don't understand what I understand. Gato's in a tough corner. And there's a lot more shows to book, and he probably does need some fresh ideas. But I don't think he needs that. He's that desperate case that he needs to bring in Dick Togo and give him all his power and do and ruin everything, ruin his legacy, ruin everything he's built up as a historical booker. Like, because people are not going to point the finger at Dick Togo. A lot of people are going to point the finger to Gato, and they're going to say, "This is you know, you should be the one." Just like Tony Khan says, like, "I'm the one that you know." It's a final step of approval. Like, yes, I'll take the idea, but if I don't like it, I'm not going to pass it by. And Gato, I feel like, because Dick Togo is his friend, and maybe because they're in this pandemic period, he's let a lot of stuff slide that he probably wouldn't have let slide in the past. Well, I would... Uh, I think the best thing maybe to come out of this is if uh, if Josh doesn't listen to this show, and uh, whenever he returns, whenever he's uh, like, set to do so, you, he then mentions Dick Togo. <laughs> and um, your immediate Pavlovian response, like, hey, bro! He's <laughs> got no context for it whatsoever. <laughs> Something good came out of this match. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, man. And uh, last question here from Dom Homie 101 From a Storyland standpoint, why doesn't the IWGP committee take action against evil over his interference during his matches? And why doesn't any other wrestlers fight fire with fire when it comes with evil and his interference? Uh, have someone has someone done that? I don't know. I feel like because it's the it's the babyface thing where the babyface doesn't have someone come down with them. They're they're brave and they're strong and they'll they'll do it. God damn it! They'll, <laughs> they'll fight the good fight. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's I guess it's wrestling. 101, I guess. So, like wrestling tropes, I guess that just exists. So, the baby face, he's there, not the one that comes down. It's so that you know which one's the villain, kind of thing. 
but uh, yeah, it makes sense. But the, the other part of uh, why did they take action? Is like that, that's the kind of shit. That's the little details I like to see. Postings of official fines and things. <laughs> this is like really low-level office stuff. <laughs> like, no, 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 put that out there. <laughs> Don't go WWE where you got Stephen McMahon finding like half a million dollars. Like, <laughs> there's, the WWE have never managed to find the correct ground. It's either way too little, like I'm going to find you $10, <laughs> or something astronomically too high. <laughs> there's never a good middle ground that they find. Um yeah, I'd like to see fines, like invoices of payments due, of stuff sent to evil or the house of torture. <laughs> yeah. Which or... is a kayfabe house. <laughs> uh, it's a crap house. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what, what they should do is, you know, there should be a thing where, like, you know, only somebody with a manager's license should be out there like they did back in the day. So like mm. as soon as like show and you come out from the beginning, right. should be like, no, no, no. Only Dick Togo can stay. Cause he's a quote unquote manager. He has appropriate license to be out here. Y'all need to go to the back. Uh, yeah. There, there should be more kind of awareness of what evil mm. is doing in officials. You know, we get the, the articles afterward. Yes. We're, we're appalled by, the actions that happen in our main event. Well, if you're really that appalled about what's happening, do something about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, um, I can't remember what show I was watching, but it was an older one. And uh, it was when the manager was being all heelish and a bit of a dick. And Jesse Ventura brought up the manager's license. And I was just like, I love that. Yeah, that's so good. That is, that's I don't know why isn't that used today? <laughs> that's just such a good thing. I, I'm a I'm a fan of the manager's license because he can, as we were just saying, there's uses for it. To kind of you've got the bad guys out there. The ref has then a reason to kick them out after they've interfered. Uh, yeah, it's I mean again coming off of AEW, we're in a world with them where they're bad. The bad guys can interfere. They can mess about and do a lot of stuff. But if they do like one big act, they're immediately gone they can still do the big interference but they can only do one i think that really helps as if it continues to happen if it's over and over if it's just too much then uh, you get evil matches yeah, <laughs> it, just it, it, it just jumps the shark yeah yeah i feel, I feel like it's a balancing act aw done really well where this they'll still have the bad guy like with the elite they'll still have a constant run of stuff but they know if they go past a certain point, they're just going to be hitting disqualification. Uh, so I'm a fan of that. Well, that wraps up our reviews of Wrestle Grand Slam. We did get two big announcements uh, from the shows that we can talk about now. So the first announcement that came uh, night one, New Japan announced for Wrestle Kingdom 16 that we're getting three nights this year of Wrestle Kingdom. So we're going to get January 4th. January 5th and January 8th. Uh, of course, the first two nights will be in the Tokyo Dome, while the third night will be in Yokohama Arena. Um, and we had several questions relating to that news. First from the Reddit user, the underscore dark underscore underscore soldier. With Wrestle Kingdom being a three-nighter this time around, should New Japan take one of those nights, maybe January 5th, and make it, NJPW versus AEW Super Show. With matches like Jericho versus Suzuki, Moxley versus CSJ, and with a main event of either Kenny Omega versus Jay White for the Never title or Hiroshi Tanahashi if he's still a U.S. champion against Brian Danielson. It's a dream scenario which is only scuppered by the pandemic. 
I, that's the only reason. You can do this later, Dan, like maybe if they decide to do this again. Because I, I, immediately I'm, I'm like, New Japan don't have the momentum or fire to do three nights. <laughs> like, that's a bit, it's a bit excessive. Yeah. So I, said, I don't know what, what are they going to fill it with? I generally don't know. With the, they're, not, they're not running with the hot fire or momentum to really uh, to make you go, yeah, three nights, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait. They, I can definitely see why they're doing three nights. I, I, I can't. I can't really say that. If they're not getting outside people in to kind of bulk up the card, I don't know what it's gonna what it's gonna be with. I uh, Daniel Bryan, so I need to stop stop calling him that now. <laughs> Bryan Danielson <laughs> with his farty uh, bouncy but to it classical music. <laughs> I love that. Whoever did that tweet, well done. Uh, but yeah, they with him signing with AEW. That that's kind of like he's also kind of in the background debut for New Japan. <laughs> like, it, it's happening. Him signing with AEW is partly so he can work New Japan. So that means he's working New Japan. The question is just when. And obviously the pandemic has a massive effect on that. And I think with these three shows, in terms of what they're going to do, I feel like um, Tanahashi versus Moxley is being built, but they're doing it very smartly. It's just when are they going to have the match? If, as in, for me, it feels like this match is confirmed. I just don't know when for Wrestle Kingdom could be a good shout, but again, it, it, it all depends on the pandemic. I don't know what otherwise. Uh, Jericho's got it in his contract. He specifically said with MJF, I'll never work in AEW again. We've got people talking about New Japan. There's a lot of potential. Yeah. I, I, just, yeah, I just don't quite know what it's going to be filled with. Yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, the pandemic is the big issue if them potentially doing a New Japan versus AEW supercard. I mean, there's a lot of issues happening here. One, if guys can get to Japan, they have to do the two-week quarantine. And for a lot of these guys, they, they have family, they, they have wife, they have kids. Um, does it make a lot of sense for them to quarantine for two weeks just to do one show? Uh, for a lot of guys, maybe, but for most guys, they say no. Daniel Bryan, or, I'm doing it too. Brian Danielson said <laughs> himself, you know, I, I want to work New Japan, but I don't want to quarantine for two weeks to work a couple of shows and then come back. And then you also have the issue with the issue with the work visas. We've talked to wrestlers, wrestlers on New Japan Strong who want to go to Japan, but the Japanese government is not issuing out new work visas right now. Right now, any of the guys that you're seeing come into Japan, they've had a work visa that was active before the pandemic happened. So that's why those guys are still allowed to come in. But any new guys on strong that want to come into Japan and don't have a work visa, there's a huge delay right now on work visas and people, and they're not getting issued out right now. So it's impossible. I'm not sure how many AEW guys have work visas in Japan. I'm assuming maybe somebody like Kenny Omega might still have one just because maybe he lived there. But most of their roster, I don't think, is work Japan or would have a active work visa. So it, it makes it very difficult right now to do a super show or to bring anybody over from strong. One day, definitely, especially if they're set on having Wrestle Kingdom week, <laughs> whatever it is in a year or so, uh, then yeah, it makes a hundred percent sense to have one of them be like a big mega show like that, like a big super show. Well, the, the new, the super shows weren't alien to Japanese wrestling, like in their boom. Right, like the you'd get New Japan AEW AEW <laughs> AJPW is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you get super shows like that all the time, 
so it's in the DNA of the wrestling world to do super shows and work together like that. Right, and there so, was a I New Japan WCW Super Show. Um, mm. You know, they they integrated TNA when they were working with those guys and during the Tokyo Dome. So we, we've seen kind of big super shows before. We've seen them integrate partner promotions before. So yeah, like you mentioned, you know, if this was a non-pandemic world, we had access to people in AEW. We had access to strong people, access to CMLL guys, access to Rev Pro guys. I could totally see how they could pull out a, a three a big three night card, but in a pandemic where we're stuck with the domestic roster, guys can't come in. Guys got a quarantine. I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure how they're going to pull off um, a big three night Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, my my thing is uh, you've got you've got stardom. <laughs> That's <the> saying <laughs> you've got. Them. Yeah, give give them a night. <laughs> Uh, next question here from Rambo and Slam Pig says Kadani made some comments in Tokyo Sports about needing to uh, regain vitality and momentum to avoid Wrestle Kingdom being a triple dud. He used the word crisis. Other than COVID ending, what steps with the control of NJPW management should they immediately take to recover? Oh no, bro! <laughs> I got some good idea, bro. <laughs> um. I mean, there's certain things that kind of need to be, I guess, ironed out, I guess. But uh, COVID is the biggest one. Like, whatever, uh, in terms of that title as well, like, whatever plans they've come up with, that again, it's part of the kind of law of the title right now that it's Shingo trying to fight off its curse that it apparently has. And with COVID around, that's not going to stop, really. Like, Shingo himself, like, two weeks before this match was in quarantine, Right, which is like that kind of that that says just like how like how do how on earth do you build to a wrestle kingdom like when your company is in a state like that where your top champion who is like your third choice <laughs> really out of who you actually want to be champion because just due to bad luck after bad luck now you're, now you're on um, Shingo when he was never in the plans to be champion. And it mean it's it's working out well. He's I feel like he's a good champion, but uh, I, I don't know uh, I, I don't know really how you immediately kind of do to take to uh, recover. Yeah, um, I, I mean honestly, I I think the answer is remove creative control from Dick Togo because he he's ruining the, the main event scene. His fingerprints are hurting New Japan because I feel like when once Evil was out of the picture. I think the first half of this year of New Japan is really underrated. You you look back, you, you look at that New Japan Cup, you look at the matches that Osprey and Shingo were having this year. Um, you, you look at Wrestle Kingdom at the beginning of this year was very good, and some of the stuff that they did, kind of up, maybe up until May, was really good. You were having some really good main events, uh, even in the clap crowd environment. Some match of the year uh, level matches, uh, Tanahashi and Shingo at New Beginning in the beginning of the year for the Never Title absolutely incredible i love that match so i thought new japan was doing some great stuff at the first half of this year with evil out of the main event picture and you know chasing yano around for kopw and and now as soon as he shifts back in the picture you you just see i mean new japan like we mentioned is already not hot right now because of the pandemic but then with creative decisions like that that lowers the product yeah i I think a big part of it is if they're able to get in the foreign heavy hitters they get osprey back they get jay white back uh 
for like, and some of that talent has been built up on Strong uh, and Chris Bay. <laughs> Get him in there as well. And yeah, when when they're actually able to integrate with the talent again, then yeah, I feel like they could actually hit some form of stride because they have been building up that Western talent well. Just you know, it's not in Japan they're doing it. So I I think that they should be fine once they're able to integrate. But of course, the way this pandemic's worked, like who knows? Possibly, we could be due for, for another long period of this. Right, and, and obviously the the way things have been going in Japan are obviously not the way things are going in the United States. Obviously in the U.S. we're we're having events, we're having fans, we're seeing packed arenas. In Japan, we're still having the the limit of people who can go to events. There's still a, a curfew um, that they're still not allowed to cheer. There's so many factors working against um, New Japan and stuff that's happening in, in Japan uh, with all the restrictions. Yeah, and I've seen the uh, prime minister's going to said he's going to re- resign over it as well. Once they said once it's his terms over, something I can't remember what it was. <laughs> After a certain point, he's going to resign, maybe end of the year or something, uh, because it's been decreed that it's been handled that badly. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's they're not in a great spot. I think it's fair to say, and especially with a population as old as theirs as well. Right. That's one of the things with Japan is that the it's a very old population, uh, and that obviously has quite a big effect. So this fight, this uh, pandemic specifically, has quite a big effect on that. Uh, so uh, you can understand why they're as worried as they are, yeah. and why they're being so strict and uh, shutting down like that. Uh, I mean, as a nation, they're way like socially, they're way more. I guess reactive to things like this, as in they wear the masks whenever they get a cold. Anyway. Right, yeah, we've, that's, we've that's seen what that. They do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. So they're way, they're way more uh, conscious of stuff like that, anyway. So it makes a lot more sense that they would, like, like immediately as a society, they just close close down, and be everyone will be up for doing it as well. Uh, there's not really much of a fight of oh well, oh what, what do you, you want us to uh, like talk less? Yeah, we'll perfectly do that. Perfectly do that. Yeah, never mind the whole mass thing. They're willing to talk less. <laughs> yeah. the next stage <laughs> it's like yeah i i I'll, I'll use minimal words around my day it'll be really inconvenient but i understand the severity of it um yeah i i don't know like it like the ins and outs of it as in um even though it's bad does it then look to be any kind of up because of course we're talking like half a year is it halfway no it's like five months Right. No, that's not good mass. That's four months. It's four months. <laughs> so it's only about four months away, September now. Uh, so it's it's really not that long. It's nearly Christmas, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're yeah, yeah. F- yeah, a few uh, months away from Christmas. Yeah, a few months away from Wrestle Kingdom. I, I don't see things doing a dramatic swing that mm. Wrestle Kingdom's they, they can do some kind of blow away card. I do think there are some interesting matchups that they they can do. Uh, for main events, even for a two-night show, but adding in a whole third show, are, are we going to get a, a triple dome dash? Like, I, I don't know what what the game plan is here. Yeah, that's that's, what, that's, what, that's, my, that's my main big takeaway from this, is what, when they announced three nights, my immediate reaction was just, but why? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the demand for this? Because if anything, it should be scaling back, given the major problems. 
Right. As in, if if it was any year to just do a one night Wrestle Kingdom, I feel like this is it. Because they they surely cannot be as optimistic as those guys buying the seats all the way back. Because <laughs> <laughs> it can't be that optimistic <laughs> as a company. Like, surely. Uh, that's what it feels like to me. They're just it's an almost blind optimism that they'll be able to put on a mega show. Yeah. And I understand that continuing to do the double dome, because at least you're doing two shows where you get the attendance of, if you did one Wrestle Kingdom. So you're still kind of getting that, that big, you know, pay, you're still getting some money as if you did one Wrestle Kingdom. So I understand that do five matches. You split a one day Wrestle Kingdom card into to two shows, but then adding a whole nother show, yeah. I guess I guess we'll see how it all plays out. But to me, I'm not really optimistic about it. Um, the yeah. last question here from Mark Nato ninety: Do you expect Three Nights of Wrestling to have more special singles matches, titles like Strong, Rev Pro Defended, or just more filler of tag matches? Does the January eighth show allow time for US, U.S. wrestlers to quarantine? Um, well, I think as far as the U.S. wrestler, I think it all depends on if who has work visas and who wants to quarantine. Because that's the big they, issue. Yeah. The guys like Jay White and Finley and Juice who have visas and, and can come over, they got quarantine fatigue. They were tired of having to do the two-week quarantine every time they came into Japan. Um, so there's definitely time to quarantine, but will the guys want to quarantine? That's the big question. Um, as far as the Rev Pro title, that will only be defended if Osprey's still a Rev Pro champion, and he comes to Japan. I have a hard time seeing if somebody like Ricky Knight Jr. beats Osprey for, you know, they unify the belts, or if he's the champion. I don't see him coming in Japan. And again, with Strong, if the Strong champion doesn't have a visa, which I don't think any of the Strong guys have work visas right now, then they're, they're not coming over. But all of those would be great options to do if you can get those guys in the country. Yeah, as we said before, there's so many different things at play that um like the, the wants of oh, well we could do this we could do that well yeah in a dream world but we are still in the pandemic and there's so many different things at play that who knows what you'd be able to do in january and the realization the gag about christmas is that <laughs> the whole point that it's actually not that far away so the state things are now things aren't going to massively change from now till january for what they are now they change a bit but not massively to the point where, oh, suddenly they'll be giving work visas out willy-nilly, letting the whole world in. <laughs> perfectly fine. <laughs> Come on <But> in. No. <laughs> yeah, they won't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be a thing. Uh, there won't be uh, Bernie Mac in Transformers trying to get everybody like, Come on in, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, no. They... Uh, why did I choose Transformers for my Bernie Mac movie? <laughs> but yeah, they... Uh, uh, yeah, there's so many different things at play that who knows. And again, if if it is bad enough where they the, that foreign talent can't get in, or you've got loads of people who can't get those visas, then you've got you got you got started. You can do mega shows with I guess Japanese companies that are there if they're up for that working relationship. Uh, I know some bridges have been tainted a bit, but. Uh, this is a different world. <laughs> Who knows what uh, could happen? Yeah. Yeah. Or fit it with gimmick matches. <laughs> it's one of the two. One of the two. More 30-minute I quit matches. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was all in on the concept of the lights out match 
<laughs> not the, as in not AW type of lights out, as in where the lights would turn off in the oh. yellow match. <laughs> yeah, that, I was all in on that idea. <laughs> oh, and it was just the fact that they, they didn't run with it. <laughs> I was so disappointed. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah, have yellow, doing all the tying up stuff, and then the lights go out, and he, he has to get back into the ring in full darkness. <laughs> it's like, yes, come on. <laughs> I'm all in on that. Well, the second announcement that we got from night two was the blocks for the G1 Climax 31. So for our A block, we're going to have Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Toroyano, Shingo Takagi, Tetsuya Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., The Great Okan, Kenta, Tangaloa, and Yujiro Takahashi. And then in the B block, we'll have Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, Sanada, Taichi, Jeff Cobb, Evil, Tamatonga, and Chase Owens. Um, and then I, I just pulled the the first two nights, the cards there in the last two nights. We are going to do a full preview of the G1 Climax 31 next week. Uh, Chris Samsa from SportofWrestling.com will be joining us to do a full uh, breakdown and preview of the G1 Climax 31. So we'll give all of our full predictions next week. Well, I did want to look at the, the first two nights and the last two nights. Until those are the, typically the bigger cards. So on the opening night, uh, September 18th in Osaka, we're going to have the main event, Shingo versus Ishii. Semi-main event, Yano versus Kenta. Then Great Okan versus Tangaloa. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tetsuya Naito. Kota Ibushi versus Yujiro Takahashi. And then night one of the B block, also in Osaka, main event, we'll have Tanahashi and Okada. Semi-main event of Sonata versus Tamatanga, Jeff Cobb versus Chase Owens, Yoshihashi versus Evil, and Hiroki Goto versus Taichi. And then the last two nights, October 18th in Yokohama, we'll have a main event of Kota Ibushi versus Kenta, Tomohiro Ishii versus Toriyano, Shingo Takagi versus Yujiro Takahashi, Tetsuya Naito versus The Great Okan, and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tangaloa. And then the last night in Budokan Hall, last B-block night, we'll have uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Taichi, Gusto Okada versus Jeff Cobb, Hiroki Goto versus Tamatonga, Yoshihashi versus Chase Owens, and Sonata versus Evil. Uh, so we had a question here from Wine Punch VB with Wrestle Kingdom being three nights and the G1 blocks being announced. How do you think all three main events play out? I thought Naito would win the G1 and main event, uh, the second of the third Wrestle Kingdom events, wrestling Shingo and Osprey. But now with Shingo and Naito in the same block, I don't think this happens anymore. I've got no idea, really. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't know. I think part of it is this, in this pandemic era, they've had to change so many things on the fly that no one particularly is running with any momentum. Or uh, We praise the New Japan long-term booking, uh, the, the long-term booking. <laughs> but, but uh, the, the, no, yeah, because of the pandemic, no one particularly has that run of momentum. So you've got your top guys, but I don't know which one it's going to be. Uh, generally I've got no idea uh, I guess again part of that is just because there is no long term thing flowing into it right. you're not looking at like last year where there was that Kota run is that you're like this is the year this is the time he does it there isn't any of that that isn't there in this one so I don't know do you, do you go for a champion win just to mix it up you, is this the year you do that? You could, based off the whole storyline of who's a real world champion. I mean, Shingo did do yeah. an interview, you know, saying he needs to win the G1 to kind of shut Osprey up and prove that he is, you know, the real world champion. Mm -hmm. 
So that's an interesting angle you could go. Um, I don't want to give my, my full prediction out right now what I think is happening. I'll save that for next week. But just based off of the last two nights, there are there's one name from the A block and one name from the B block that pops out to me that makes sense for a final. And those two guys have um, compelling stories that you could do with Shingo and Osprey. Um, so that there's a big hint right there. Take a look at those last two blocks. But, um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with the, with the three. I, I think what you could do is one night you do the uh, unification match with Shingo and Osprey. Then Ooh. on night two, you can do the winner of the unification match versus a G1 winner. But then I have no idea how you get the, the third main event. I guess somebody just walks out at the end of night two and says, hey, I'll, I'll, I want to fake you on January 8th. <laughs> <laughs> hey bro <laughs> bro bro i got a great idea bro. evil walks out bro at the end of the night bro and gets a shot <laughs> uh, yeah uh and it's and the title's on a pole bro <laughs> bad bro <laughs> yeah i um yeah i think there's some strong matches like uh night one uh takagi ishii um, uh, yes, yes, please <laughs> give me all of that. Uh, also, um, I, I, I know I'm pointing out all the Ishii matches, but Yano Ishii, it what last time that happened in G1, it was fantastic, <laughs> it yeah. was amazing. Uh, if I might, that was the one where Yano was like, I'm gonna take this G1 seriously, I'm actually gonna try, guys. <laughs> yeah, it was a sh- and, shooter Yano, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it. and then the match happened, and he genuinely did try, and the crowd were going mental, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> loved it. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, I do like how they're kind of getting some of the matches uh, that I, I, we've seen in this scenario before, or matches we've seen recently, are uh, getting put out of the way earlier on. So we've got the big gun in Okada Tanahashi that's opened how many G1s at this point? <laughs> it's opening another one. Well, Open door closed. Surprisingly, they've only, this is only the second time that it's a first round, uh, first oh, right. match opener. Of course, they closed. Was it last year they closed? Can't remember. Uh, but the last year, the year before. Were they? Were they? I don't think they were in the same block last year. Were they? Yeah, they ended in a draw in the last that one I'm thinking of. That I can't remember which one that was. Yeah, because I think but, the last time they were the G1 together was the the Dallas G1 that we were at, uh, 2019, mm. where they where they opened up and Okada beat yeah. Tanahashi. Uh, I, I thought it was the one where it was the Ibushi Tanahashi final. Was that 2019? That was uh, 2018. 2018, uh, so I might be thinking 2018. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, getting that match out of the way first. And as well as like Sonata Evil last year, that was like right at the end. And this year it's right at the start. Uh, if you're going to put them in the same, if they're destined to be in the same block together forever and ever and ever, <laughs> then I guess <laughs> getting it out of the way first yeah. is perfectly fine. Um, I mean, it's still. Like you see, it, I look at it, uh, I do, when the lineups came up, uh, there was quite a bit of. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word negativity on Twitter, on social media. I'd use it as a meh reaction. It didn't seem to generate a lot of excitement. Right. But there's still some really strong matches in here. Uh, you still got your Ishii's, your Takagi's, your Bushi, Naito, Okada, Tanahashi. Like, there's still the big names there that are going to pull some incredible matches out of the bag. Yeah, overall, I, I think both blocks are very well balanced. Uh, mm. and this, is the, this is the best I could do in the situation they're in. They, they couldn't bring in anybody from the U.S. Um, I don't know what their relationship is with other companies. I mean, they potentially could have brought in freelancers, but 
again, with the pandemic, it just might be safer to use your own employees. And, you know, all Bushy Road uh, employees and wrestlers have been vaccinated, so they know that. So it just it's probably just safer to use everybody that's under contract to them. Um, so there's just so much going on here on to why the, you know, G1 blocks aren't better. Um, you know, it, it kind of feels stale. Only three new um, guys in with uh, Great Khan's first G1, Tangaloa's uh, first G1, and uh, Chase Owens' is first G1. Um, so we will get some new matchups there, but overall, you know, you have a lot of the same guys. Um, but again, it's when you look at the top of the cards, there's still, still some great stuff. Like in the A block, you have Ibushi and Ishii and Shingo and Naito and Saber and Kenta all in the same block. Like that, that there's going to be some great matches there. And then you look at the B block. Like you mentioned we're opening up with Tanahashi and Okada. We have Goto in there. We have Yoshihashi, who's been uh, killing it since he's won the Never Six Man title. We have Jeff Cobb, who's on, uh, you know, been killing it. Taichi, who's been killing it. Um, so there, there are some good matches in there. Of course, the, the B block's going to be slogged down with uh, Evil and Tamatonga and Chase. And so if you're not a Bullet Club fan, this is definitely not the G1 for you. We have six Bullet Club guys <laughs> <laughs> in this tournament. And I, I can give you the blueprint for every Bullet Club match right now. Uh, one guy says, you lay down, they lay down, they grab the guy in a schoolboy, and hey, I thought you were going to lay down. No, and then they start uh, trying to out-cheat each other, and then somebody wins, and then they shake hands, and they're all good at the end. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. I will say it's a, a dark horse type of thing. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. and uh, Toy Yano are something special. <laughs> that pairing. <laughs> When it happens, it's something special. Uh, as I remember, the, um, they did Cork and Hall shows like back to back. I think it was when I think Sonado Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. were all in, and Yano were all in the same block, mm-hmm. and it was just like a back to back to back of uh, Cork and Hall shows. And just coming out of it, my impression was just like Yano has had blinders back to back. Ibushi, Sonado, <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> They've been amazing. <laughs> Uh, like, yeah, yeah, he's my MVP for a reason, and he's in an air. He's got a bushy again. He's got Kento and opening night. That'll be a gem. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to like. Uh, next question here from Rambo and Slam Big he said, "What do the final block night lineups tell you about this year's G1? Is Okada versus Naito too big of a match for a G1 final when you have three nights of dome shows to fill in January?" Yeah, uh, it was just dawning on me. Um, was it Yano and um, Great O'Khan where Yano cut off uh, Great O'Khan's hair? Um, he what happened? He tied his hair to the uh, like the the, the guardrail. The guardrail. But yeah. I do think there was one, he did. I thought he did cut off his hair at one point too. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. It just dawned on me they were in the same block. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what are they gonna? Uh, but but since uh, Rambo and Slam Pig mentioned it, I guess I'll just go ahead and mention it. I do think I am leaning towards a Okada Naito match for mm. for the finals, and I don't think it's too big of a match for the finals. I mean, it's a match that's been done several times now. Um, it's not like it's a super protected match anymore, and mm. um, I think it makes a ton of sense for the finals. And I think you can do other stuff with both those guys within the three nights of the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Oh, and I I do like the idea of Okada being one of the challengers on one of the nights. 
as well as it feels like because it, it, just, it was just hitting that have they reached that point of Tanahashi Nakamura where yeah they face each other loads at this point but they're the two most over ones you want to build up that momentum why not put on an all-star G1 final in Okada and Naito they did it in 2015 with Tanahashi and Nakamura and it absolutely absolutely slapped <laughs> and uh, got a lot of buzz and attention uh, I, I can't see why it wouldn't here as in just remind people that no, we are New Japan. Yeah. We have got some incredible talent. Yeah, it's it's always a great matchup and yeah, I think it would be uh it's a great way to, to end that tournament, especially this tournament where, you know, there's not much hype, not much excitement. It, try to end it on a good note. Uh next question here from Martin eight oh ninety says, Love the show guys, I have a questions for you if you can answer some which G1 block are you looking forward to more? A block seems to have more big names, while Ocon's debut was fairly certain and Chase rumored. Are you surprised with G.O.D.'s inclusion? Uh, not given the circumstances. As in, some, a few people are going to get in there where you're just like, really? But I, I, I guess, why not them? My only thought is, would it have hurt to have put in a junior? I guess. No, I, yeah, I th- I think I mean, it was up to me. If, if Gato was calling me, I would say, Let, let's put Hiromu in this thing. Um, yeah. You know, people were clamoring for Hiromu to be in the G1 last year. He did a lot of uh, open weight work last year, New Japan Cup, the, the title match of Evil, like you mentioned. Um, there, was a, there was a lot of momentum for Hiromu to be in it last year. And I guess coming off the injury and then obviously losing losing the Eagles, it probably didn't make a ton of sense for him to be in it. But as far as a match quality, even from a star power perspective, I think adding a guy like Hiromu would have made a ton of sense. And uh, even with stuff, I mean, like, maybe even swap out one of the G.O.D. for show. If you could do, like, Hero Moon show, and maybe would have been my two, I'm just thinking. Especially if they're all doing, like, show is joining, but it's for a reason. Uh, And that reason is to not be included as a heavyweight in anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh. (laughs) If he'd been in the G1, that might have been something a little bit more but then, then you may be accidentally going a little bit into WWE territory where you do the thing, you make the announcement, but then the announcement, having all the official graphics and everything doesn't really make sense. It makes the thing that happened before feel a bit kind of formulated. Right. It doesn't feel as natural anymore if you've got the big fancy graphics of, uh, like, now he's turned here, he's facing this thing. That's a minor gripe. Obviously, I would have preferred to see Show and Hero in this over the guys we've got. Some of them. They feel like filler who have got no chance of winning, really. And I'm not that excited that they're in there. Yeah. Now, there was also rumor of uh, Aaron Hanare potentially being in, but I know there's been lockdown issues in New Zealand. Also, I think he's also dealing with a Nick injury as well, so couldn't get Hanare over in time for this. Um, so, yeah, like I said, based on what they could do, this is what, they, this is what you know, this is what made the most sense. Um, I do think Tangaloa is going to be the surprise sleeper. I think he's going to you know, surprise some people. I think he's improved uh, tremendously since we've started covering New Japan, and uh, I think he's low-key raw. And, you know, with him not having to really ta- tag with Tamatanga and kind of do his own thing, I, I think we can see some great stuff uh, from him. Now, he used to be the guy that just swore after every move. <laughs> he's, he's, he's moved on. He's grown. Yeah. <laughs> Bigger guy. Uh, so, which block uh, looks better to you overall? 
I mean, Blockade's got Yano in it. <laughs> it's got that, for me, he's an absolutely vital pick in that, uh, because the G1 is such a serious competition and it's such a long and grueling competition as well. I, uh, For me, having a comedic relief is who can, who serves an actual, the serious side that he serves is stealing points from people. Like, he can beat, He's literally the one guy in this competition that can beat anybody. You just don't know who it's going to be. And he's not going to be consistent. He's going to lose a lot. <laughs> and I like the idea of, because it's such a wear and tear kind of tournament, uh, everyone gets a night off with Yano. Like, you get you get to just piss about. You get to get tied to guardrails <laughs> and uh, tied up in a knot left there. You, you can have a bit of fun for a night. Uh, and and I appreciate that, that he, he kind of, Everyone there gets a little bit of a cover because him giving them that match means that when they have their big matches, the big matches are able to be a little bit more mental. Because Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> they are some <laughs> hard-hitting, incredible G1 matches. So yeah, and more for more for the other. Also, not forgetting who else is in that block with uh, Kota Ibushi, Naito, Shingo, Ishii. Oh yeah, actually, I see the point. It's also got Ishii in it. <laughs> right, that's what I was going to say. I'm also looking yeah. forward to A Block because Ishii's in it, and Ishii is always the MVP of the G1. Uh, he's going to kill himself to to make sure he has great performances every night. And you, you can't go wrong with Ishii versus Bushi, Ishii versus Shingo, Ishii versus Naito, Ishii versus Sack. And I'm really looking forward to Ishii versus the Great Okan. You know, they started teasing mm-hmm. that at Wrestle Grand Slam, and I, you know, Great Okan. He's he's had a few highlight moments, but I think a Never style matchup with Ishii is going to be something great for him. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff at play. Some yeah, some heavy hitters, some consistent performers. I think that maybe B Block is missing a little bit. That said, they've got B Block's got some which are you got Okada still, you got Tanahashi, you've got the new age Ishii and Jeff Cobb. <laughs> you've got a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I feel like with the B block, you you kind of have some like mid card underrated guys that do really good. Like mm. Goto, Goto's gonna have some great matches. Yoshihashi's gonna have some really good matches. Taichi's gonna have some really good matches. Cobb is gonna have some really good matches. But, but those are not guys you would typically like circle. Like I'm definitely looking out for those guys, um, like you would like a Shingo or Ishii. But I think all those guys are gonna have good performances. Um, but I do think Tanahashi and Okada are going to have a, a heavy load here, especially when it comes to facing off against Evil, Tamatanga, and Chase Owens. Mm. Yeah, there's it's it's a, it's a it's a weird block the B. I think I think that's what kind of sticks out to me is the B blocks a little bit more weird because you can see the clear kind of differences in the in the block itself. You got the top end which is incredible, and then very very. Like, what are you even in this tournament for? <laughs> like, they're clearly not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Then uh, last question here about G1 from DomHomie101. Thoughts on this year's G1 lineup? Does it feel like New Japan is missing out on an opportunity to put a couple of strong guys into the tournament? What matches are you guys looking forward to? I mean, uh, obviously, in terms of, uh, does he mean literal strong as in New Japan strong, or does he just mean heavier picks? I'm thinking he. I'm guessing he means New Japan strong. Um, like we mm. talked about, none of those strong guys have work visas, so it's not. I'm sure they would have loved to bring in a Chris Dickinson, a Filthy Tom, 
mm. uh, into this tournament, but they couldn't because of the, the visa situation. Plus, they're now doing strong tapings through the G1. You have the um, the Philly tour, the Texas tour, uh, the, the autumn attack, and you know you have the, the big battle in the valley coming up. There's a lot of stuff happening for New Japan Strong. You need the top stars. So even if they could send strong people over with all these tours, you might get some of the bottom strong guys versus some of the top strong guys. Yeah, I feel like when New Japan Strong has 100% worked in that if there wasn't a pandemic and it wasn't all of this, the G1 this year would be incredibly stacked. Oh, yeah, it'd be insane. Yeah, there's the, the guys they've got there. Like, the G1, whenever things finally open up, it, it's going to be an incredible tournament. Because we're talking about potentially making it different and kind of semi-expanding it to three groups. Uh, the New Japan Strong guys, if they get over there, they've got the talent to do it. Currently, it's very blatant they don't, and there's quite, it's quite a lot of filler in this year's G1. Yeah. And uh, any uh, matchup that you're really looking forward to? I mean, again, I said Zack Sabre Jr. versus, <laughs> yeah, no, because <laughs> it was so good last time. But uh, I guess Shingo Ishii, 100%, looking forward to that one. Uh, I mean, that's the opening match as well, for a reason. Uh, also, I mean, Ishii Naito is always fantastic, Ibushi Naito. And uh, it was just it's the pairing of those people. Uh, the pairings of Naito, Shingo, Ishii, and Ibushi, just swap them around. Every single one of them is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I, I think Ishii, Shingo is definitely one of the, the most ones I'm very excited for, and we're getting that on the first night. Uh, but also, like I mentioned, that, that Ishii-Great Okan match, I think is going to be do some great stuff for Great Okan, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that one goes as well. And then, you know, Ishii, Naito, those guys are kind of have um, a low-key kind of rivalry that always ends up in some great bangers, so that's going to be another one to look out for, too. See, Ishii special. Like, you don't realize, like, oh, yeah, they've got this little thing bubbling under her. My God, they're incredible. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So um, and like I said, next week, Chris Samson will be here. We'll do a full G1 preview, um, kind of talk about the guys' records, who we think has a chance of winning, go over some more of the schedule. Also, we are working on the details for our G1 contest for this year. So uh, hopefully we'll have all the details together for that to be able to announce next week as well. Um, So now we're going to move on real quick into New Japan Strong. Uh, You probably didn't get to watch any of this, did you? No, I've not even watched uh, more than SmackDown last week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because with with SmackDown, I watched... Uh, I watched Rampage and it was straight into uh, Wrestle Grand Grand Slam and then like I've still got a life <laughs> I can't sit here watching <laughs> wrestling all day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't get to see SmackDown last week, uh, but yeah, full uh, it was all out on Sunday as well. Yeah, jam packed weekend. But I'll run through this real quick. So we had uh, New Japan Strong episode fifty six uh, still in front of the empty arena. The the crowd uh, tapings start on the eighteenth, I believe. Um, so we had uh, Josh Alexander, the the walking weapon. He defeated Daniel Garcia to open the show here in the, in the barbecue brawl, and I thought this was a really good matchup here between Alexander and Daniel Garcia. Um, very grapple base um, submission, a lot of great counters, a lot of throws. I, I want three point seven five on this match. Um, I, I want to see more of Alexander and Daniel Garcia uh, here on New Japan Strong. 
Don't know what that's going to look like with, you know, Alexander being an impact guy, Dana Garcia clearly being uh, courted by AEW. But uh, these guys are a welcome addition to Strong and a really good matchup here. In the second matchup, we had uh, TJP defeating Ray Horace. A little bit of a story here. The last time these guys faced, Ray Horace got the win. So TJP uh, gets uh, some revenge here, evens up the score, gets the win over Ray Horace. And then in the main event, we had Bullet Club's Hikaleo defeating uh, Matt Morris, formerly Aiden English of WWE fame, in a quick uh, 9-minute, 44-second match. Uh, nothing too special about this one. Uh, pretty much just Hikaleo being dominant. Um, again, like we mentioned the last time, Matt Morris is on. He's fine, but I don't really want to see that much more of him here on Strong. Um, and then uh, next week, or this week coming up for episode 57, they're having the L.A. Dojo Showcase number two. We'll have the DKC face Kevin Knight, Clark Connors face Alex Coughlin, and then the main event, Ren Narito will face Carl Fredericks. So all good stuff here and just a few weeks away until we can get the tapings with uh, fans in attendance, which should make this show even more enjoyable to watch. And now we'll uh, transition over to some news items here. So first thing, uh, we had all out this past weekend. We had the Death Rider, John Moxley. He defeated the strongest arm, the leader of the Bread Club, Satoshi Kojima. We also had a post-match attack from Murder Grandpa Suzuki. Um, so Dom, homie, one one ask us thoughts on the overall match of John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. I thought it over-delivered, it, personally. Um, I saw quite a lot of people either didn't know who Kojima was or weren't that excited, or given the rest of the cards, that this was... Just, it, or, I see, as soon as it wasn't Tanahashi, and it was another like, a legend, uh, it was a lot of the hype from people kind of went, whilst I knew. I knew the power of bread. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> <laughs> when Kojima came to our country, we gave him like five different brands of loaves. <laughs> he was a he was a fed man. <laughs> he was happy, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if, yeah, they had a really good match. Uh, and yeah, given the expectations, I think they did over deliver. Uh, got a lot of people on board, and it was the absolute perfect setup for what came next. And it's abs to me, it's absolutely crazy <laughs> that they had a match like that. And then they swerve you by bringing out Minoru Suzuki to an incredible mega pop. Where for me, this is a great example of uh, yeah, but how would the casuals? They didn't know who he is. This is nothing to them. It's like seriously, the, a casual would take nothing away from a pop like that. As in, they know immediately that this guy is something special or serious. Just the whole presentation, the mini fight with Moxley afterwards as well. Uh, it's perfect presentation to go. This is a big deal. Uh, any any fan will pick that up. Well, you don't need to know who Minoru Suzuki is. And then they have the goal <laughs> to book it for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's just, it's when the hyping up was going to happen, especially what happened at the end of the show as well. Uh, I get such an incredible pay-per-view, an incredible night. First, I think there's all the stuff with uh, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho debuting on the show. Learned her song before it went live. <laughs> it's in my head. And there's, uh, yeah, you've got, you got Daniel Bryan still there. Then we've got the whole Adam Cole stuff with the Elite. 
Uh, I don't know if everybody's going to be on the show. There's all of the fallout. There's Lucha Bros as tag team champions. There's so much going on. And then the main event is John Moxley versus Suzuki. <laughs> it's like, my God, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, incredible. Um, yeah, Kojima Moxley knocks it out of the park. And then Suzuki, I think I was saying to Jeremy before it came on air, it takes a lot to like for wrestling to give me goosebumps or genuinely get me like that. Suzuki's debut, when his music properly hit and there was that mega pop, I, I got goosebumps. That I it caught me so off guard. Uh, and and I don't, I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Yeah, that this was um, a great little moment here for New Japan. First, the Kojima match. Everybody knows I'm a huge Kojima fan, and I thought it was great for him to get this spotlight, work with Moxley. Uh, I thought the match uh, was very, very good. You know, that hard-hitting, almost never-style matchup here. Uh, you know, there I know there probably were some people who didn't know Kojima, but he got a great pop, got a great reaction. I'm gonna need the the Chicago fans to learn his um you know his catchphrase when he's doing the chops <laughs> in the corner he he yells chauzo bakayaro so everybody needs to uh, learn that the next time Kojima is in action here in the U S but yeah great stuff there but uh, Moxley puts him down with the paradigm shift and then like we mentioned yeah the, the angle of Suzuki coming out and we all knew Suzuki was coming to the U S but um it, it didn't seem like he would be here for maybe another week or so. So I was also surprised and very um, excited when Suzuki came out and we, we got the face off and then we got the strong style exchange and Suzuki dropped them on his head for the gotch. And we're getting that, like you mentioned, tomorrow on Dynamite, which will be great. Um, Chicago crowd, they, they knew Kazanina Ray, so that was great. That was the first time in a long time that we were able to hear a full crowd, you know, chant Kazanina Ray, so that was incredible. Um, so yeah, just a great moment here. I'm I'm loving the the Moxley versus the Olds of Japan feud, and yeah, it's awesome. It did make uh, I find it quite interesting. People who haven't really seen Suzuki before or know of him but don't watch too much of uh, Japanese wrestling, and uh, their reaction to Suzuki kind of like gesturing to the crowd like, "Come on, you know what to do." Um, he's like, oh, you can tell that he, uh, the reaction was more, or you can tell he's so pumped to actually have a crowd be able to sing it that he's gesturing at them. That was like, I don't know, it's Suzuki. It's more of a, you best sing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Kind of thing. laughs> yeah. Like, no, 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 it's a, it's a threat. <laughs> don't get it wrong. <laughs> I, I, like, will, I will gotch pod drive every person in this arena. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cousin, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, in other news, this year's World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors tournaments will run concurrently for the second year in a row. New Japan confirmed the two tournaments this morning. They will start on November 13th in Corken Hall and will conclude December 15th in the Ryogoku Sumo Hall. Question here from Grunty Dodds. Presuming they go for another 10-man single block Best of Super Junior this year, who gets left out? You have the eight juniors on Russell Grand Slam plus Wato, Taguchi, and Doki all going for a spot. And uh, Doki just had that match with Hiromu, yeah, which caught a lot of people off guard. So I feel like he he might be a lock for the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, yeah, I mean he, he was in the tournament last year. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to pull I up feel right like now. It'll be... Like, pretty much the same guys, I would think. There won't be that much of a difference, minus the 
outside. I can't remember there being that many fun guys in the best yeah. superheroes. So, I, I got, so last year we had Despi, Hiromu, Taiji, Sho, Bushi, Wato, Eagles, Taguchi, Doki, and Yumura. It could be the exact same people. Oh, is is your Yumura on excursion? Right. So I think you you just slide Yo in Yumura yeah. spot, and I think that's yeah. a pretty tight lineup right there. Yeah, just have the yeah the exact same lineup, but yeah, slotting yeah yeah. But yeah, with it doing with World Tag League, it definitely looks like yeah it's going to be a single block tournament. Unfortunately. Hmm. I I don't know who you'd pick for that one either. Yeah, I think it would probably either be like Sho, Hiromu, or Despi would probably be the top three candidates. Sho and Yujiro Takahashi. The staple now. Yikes. Um, <laughs> we have some more news on COVID. Unfortunately, Shooter Shota Omino tested positive for COVID, so he was uh, removed from the Rev Pro show coming up. And also, another uh, positive COVID test Will Ospreay tested positive for COVID. He says he's fully vaccinated and only experienced mild symptoms. Said he feels like he has a cold and he will also be out of action this week, but expects to be back in for Rev Pro High Stakes on the 19th. And Osprey is going to be already planning to working more of the U.S. going forward and it's going to be planning on making U.S. trips at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. Osprey will also be appearing at the Jericho Cruise, but he will not be wrestling. They made that very clear. He'll just be appearing and be a special guest, but he will not be wrestling any of the AEW guys on the cruise. Also, other Osprey news of uh, some matches announced for the upcoming Autumn Attack tour in Dallas Fort Worth. So Osprey is going to be teaming with a mystery partner to take on Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors. So that was added to the Autumn Attack tour, and so they're teasing the idea of Osprey, uh, new mystery partner, as the fifth member of the United Empire. We have a question here from Mark Nato90. Who do you think Osprey's mystery partner will be for Autumn Attack? Someone from RevPro, someone already on strong, aligning with United Empire. Bronson Reed. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Jonah Rock. <laughs> he, he's free. It, it he's could free. be him. Uh, yeah. I, I don't I was just thinking of like who's currently free that could do it. And I generally don't know who on earth he's gonna pick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the free agent market is, is booming right now. So I mean there there are a ton of guys, but if it wasn't going to be a surprise, I think the most logical answer will be TJP. Just because mm. of the angle that happened at Resurgence, where Osprey was kind of saying, you know, TJP is the, the the babysitter of the LA Dojo, and he's not living up to who he should who he should be, and so people already ah. hate hate TJP. So I, I could see him kind of turning on the LA Dojo boys and joining Osprey and joining United Empire. Oh, okay, yeah. If there's been a little angle, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, uh, but- Papa Osprey trying to. Get him to be good. Yeah, but they but they, they also could do a surprise and bring in, like you mentioned, a Jonah Rock or somebody else who's you know on the free agent scene. Mm. See, when companies act like the wider wrestling world exists, suddenly the oh, I've got a surprise partner. Suddenly, like, but there's thousands. <laughs> <laughs> so um, also added to Autumn Attack, the Never Open Way Champion Jay White will be facing Red Death Daniel Garcia. 
on September 25th, September 26th, uh, New Japan Strong Openweight Champion Philly Tom Lawler will be facing Ren Narita on the 25th, while Jukes Robinson, Leo Rush, Clark Carnes, and TJP will face Hikaleo, Chris Bay, Taiji Ishimori, and ELP in the eight-man tag on the 25th. So Chris Bay, he's now officially a part of Bullet Club and will be here teaming with his Bullet Club brethren. So, Imp, you're getting more Chris Bay in New Japan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> as soon as they, uh, as soon as it was announced, I was like, yes, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Uh, uh, great to see Chris Bay in there as well. And also uh, Daniel Bryan's son, Daniel Garcia. <laughs> uh, then also added to Autumn Attack, this came just a few minutes ago, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Robbie Eagles will be coming mm. to Texas for the Autumn Attack Tour. So New Japan really loading up these mm. strong shows. And then for the upcoming... Um, New Japan Showdown taping in Orlando. We got some new names announced. Jake Atlas, Alex Zane, Jonathan Gresham, and Chris Bay have all been added to New Japan Showdown. Those tapings are happening in Philadelphia in the ECW Arena, Saturday, October 16th, and Sunday, October 17th. It's giving up. Yeah, yeah. New <laughs> yeah. Japan Strongman is looking really great with the talent they're bringing in and direction they're going. Yeah, I'm really happy uh, Atlas and Zane have uh, been immediately brought in as well. Uh, yeah, especially as especially Alex Zane, who wasn't in NXT. <laughs> I know he was signed there, but... <laughs> yeah, like, what, like, one or two matches yeah. on TV? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, oh... Because uh, it, 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 it was, again, it was just one of those names. It's like, oh, that's good. I'll be uh, interested to see how he features in NXT, the super indie world. He could do quite well in NXT. It's like, it's like he wasn't even there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake Atlas is another one that I really liked and I just found it strange that some changes made to him and they never really gave him any program to work with. And and the people he's working with, good things came out of them, but Jake Atlas never really got his turn. Like um, Swerve got the amazing stable with Hit Row. For the love of God, with the new NXT revamp, Keep Hit Row, please. <laughs> so good. Yeah, ho- hopefully uh, uh, Hit Row stays intact and continues to uh, get pushed. But I don't know. They're <laughs> they're not all bodybuilders, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out for all of them. Uh, they've got, oh, I can't remember his name, but I, I called him Faux Latter, <laughs> the big guy. It's because when they first, what's the big, big guy called in Hit Row? Oh, uh, wow. Flanking on his name right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, was it? Or was it just top dollar? Yeah, it is top dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, top dollar. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, when they when he first appeared in any of the vignettes, he was behind, uh, Swerve was giving a two camera in his studio, and Swerve was and they had the people all blurred out in the background, and top dollar was on the uh, uh, on the kind of producer's deck. <laughs> he was doing all the stuff. <laughs> so immediately I'm like, I'm calling you faux latter. <laughs> 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 Uh, then I saw who he actually was. It's like, oh, not to his face, though. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, we also have some news coming out of Defy Wrestling out of Seattle. They had uh, back-to-back sold-out shows on the 27th and 28th at Washington Hall. On the second night, uh, Clark Connors defeated Rocky Romero in what was reported as an excellent match. And then Romero announced a partnership with Defy in New Japan Strong and that he would return and bring people from the company with him. Then for Game Changer Wrestling, they just added a, another matchup to their uh, September 24th show in New York. 
Taiji Ishimori will be facing Tony Deppin in a big singles match. This is the same show that's going to have Suzuki versus Homicide. So New Japan see, guys. Um, there's another Tony Deppin match that got announced today, which I'm quite excited about. I don't think I saw that one. Which one? What, what was that? Von Funches. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's obviously a comedy thing. Wow. <laughs> I, need to, I, I just need to triple check. Did I just see that without any context? And <laughs> oh, one punch is at the top of my feed. That's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his his, his um his uh, background on Twitter on punches is for GCW highest in the room. Mm. That's the name of the show. And yes, yeah, it's, it's him and Deppen on, <laughs> on the thing. So it's happening. Ron Funches is wrestling. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Well, uh, last piece of news here. Uh, there's been a lot of questioning on what New Japan's relationship is with CMLL. There was a video message from Sugabayashi, director of New Japan, sending his congratulations to CMLL for their 88th anniversary and wishing the best for them and wishing that they will be able to resume soon. And um, they will also want to continue to do Fantastica Mania. So as of right now, it still sounds like that partnership is still intact and that once COVID clears up, we will get our annual Fantastica Mania and Luchadors back in New Japan. Yeah, sometimes what's one of the best shows of the year and sometimes... Uh, I'm completely missable. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, you can never predict what kind of fantastic mania you're gonna get. Yeah. And then uh, just one uh, off-topic question right here. I know Dom Homie. I know you asked a bunch of fight questions, but that that's Young Boy's specialty. He's not here this week, so whenever he comes back, we'll we'll get to those fight questions. But we got this one question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. When COVID hopefully eventually goes away, how excited would you be in seeing Brian Danielson and CM Punk coming over for some matches? Do you think the cuts to 170 help CM Punk get in better shape for his AEW match than in his entire WWE career? Well, on the first part, I think Punk has said that he doesn't have any personal desire to work outside of AEW. Uh, I think the line was, if Tony Khan wants him, to go somewhere else, he'll happily do it on behalf of AW, but he, he's not like Brian. He doesn't have a desire to work elsewhere. He's not John Moxley wanting to face Nick Cage. <laughs> so Nick Cage, not Nick Cage. <laughs> That's a whole different matchup. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, Brian Danielson. That for yeah, I think I was talking about it earlier. That yeah, Brian Danielson, his signing with AEW pretty much secretly debuted him for New Japan, and that's really exciting. Just that thought is pretty much confirmed now that it's going to be happening. Danny Bryan will be in New Japan. The question is just when. And if his uh, comments about not really wanting to do the quarantine because he does have a family, then maybe uh, it might be a while before he debuts in New Japan, but it's going to happen. Well, it, it, it could happen sooner if they let him work New Japan strong. Ah, yeah, it's a workaround, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we've <laughs> yeah. seen Moxley's able to work strong. Moxley was on resurgence. You know, if it works out, you could potentially have, yeah, you know, Brian Danielson show up at a strong taping, show up at a, a strong pay-per-view and get his New Japan in that way until he can get over to Japan. 
And uh, on the uh, cutting, uh, it's not a word I know that much about, but I do know, um, I was listening to Punk's uh, interview on All Sessions uh, with Renee Paquette. Yeah. Uh, yes, Punk did grill her on the name. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was saying the first cut it went really well for his first fight. Uh, and it seemed to all go like, relatively well. It felt like he was uh, making good ground. The second cut went absolutely horrifically. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And it was a hell of an experience. It did, yeah, it was not a good time. Um, and he, he 100% attributes how bad it went into the fight. But part of it, I guess, the mentality of everything. Um, in his words, is like, it, the cut didn't go well and other things happened. And then he got the crap beat out of him. Why would he then, why would he then kind of, belittle the achievement of the other fighter who beat the crap out of him. It's like, no, I rightfully got the crap beaten out of me. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, kudos to him. He beat, yeah, <laughs> he beat me up. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but the answer might, it might be maybe. You'd learn stuff. Uh, cutting weight for wrestling is very different for than it is for UFC or mixed martial arts. And because uh, you've got a lot more kind of leeway of what you want to do. There's, it's not as you have to be here, otherwise it ain't happening <laughs> type of thing, um, which I guess really helps. He just has to be in shape. And I guess the part that comes with that is actually wrestling because it's, it's a bit closer to like a seasonal sport in that the only way you get match fit is by playing matches. There's no other way of replicating it. Right. It's not possible. Uh, so as he's wrestling more and more, that'll probably help out. He looked to be in great shape, though. Yeah, I thought he looked great, especially if you know not wrestling for seven years. And yeah, I definitely do think you know the UFC stint probably did help him with you know staying in shape and the conditioning. And then he's been active. You know, he still does a lot of like MMA training or you know kind of rolling around the side. And so I thought he looked great. Um, and looking forward to seeing more of him in action. And yeah, I would love for him and Brian to come over to New Japan. So uh, last thing here, recommended match of the week. So last week, uh, Young Boy recommended the uh, big Sekigun versus Ishin Gundin gauntlet match, uh, which was uh, Ricky Chosu's team versus Enoki's um, team, and this uh, big elimination gauntlet style matchup. Awesome, awesome matchup. If you guys have not watched it yet, I did tweet out the link to it uh, last week, so you can look on our Twitter for the link. It's not on New Japan World, but it's a really um, cool gauntlet style matchup. I like the idea of doing it where it's, you know, you start off with two team members and one gets pinned and then they come out instead of just all of them already out there. Survivor Series style. Um, also, a ton of backstory going into this with uh, Ricky Chosu and his army leaving and kind of disrespecting New Japan. And, you know, this was like kind of the, the big kind of blow off here. The first time that Chosu and Inoki getting in the ring together, wrestling each other. They also came down to those guys being the last two and just, just you know, just hearing that live, uh, you know, New Japan crowd again, just being so excited and just the, the great, like, false finishes where Choshu got uh, Noki in the Scorpion Deathlock and then thinking he was going to tap. But it, it came down to a Noki getting the, the octopus stretch in and a ref stoppage and uh, Suzuki got the, the win there for the home team. And, yeah, really, really fun matchup. You guys definitely need to check that out. And then my pick for this week's recommended match of the week is Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito from the 2016 G1 Climax. 
So. Absolute banger. <laughs> yeah, this, this awesome match should definitely help us get ready for uh, G1 season. Imp, man, I want to thank you so much again for joining me this week and filling in in uh, tough times. No problem. I am going to crash to bed. It's 10 to 4 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 to 4 in the morning. Two days after I did a 7.30 a.m. and then two days before I'm going to bed at like 2 a.m. and like to a Thursday as well. <laughs> so I'm going to be dead. But yeah. Well, before you yes. go, one last Boy. time, uh, give your plug so our listeners can find you online and find all your great work. You can find me on Twitter at the damn Impacat. That's damn as a damn. And I had no gusto to it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord Farouk. <laughs> I've let you down. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, also I write for Wrestling Headlines. I review Raw for Wrestling Headlines, so uh, go check that out, or at least leave a like or whatever. Um, it, yeah, it's it's an hour long review of Monday Night Raw. You know, it's reviewing a crap show. <laughs> <laughs> a like for the pain. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll, and I'm planning to review Dynamite. My first time reviewing Dynamite uh, this Thursday as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think that's everything. I've, Got to plug. Uh, there probably is more stuff happening all the time. I never remember. <laughs> and, I think, and I think it sounds like we're going to be doing a weekly yes. G one column for wrestlingheadlines.com. Yes, like, yes. So the, for the past, oh, is it two years? I think myself and Sir Sam um, have done the uh, G one where at the end of the week of each week of the G one, we do like our top matches of that week, uh, top performers. Uh, just like a little reminder of how the actual tables are going and with our own little table of who's the MVP of the entire tournament as we give our like MVPs of it all. Uh, it, the, uh, spoilers, it's always ECA. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so uh, and if, if I'm right, Latter it, it, it whipped into us one year. <laughs> just like, what are you doing with these other people on this list? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, that will be hopefully taking place uh, every like Friday, we'll try and get that posted for the end of the week of the G1. And uh, yeah, that's because one year, I think in 2018 for that G1, which was an absolutely amazing G1. Uh, that's one with an absolutely stacked B block with like Ishii and Kenny Omega. Uh, I want, and Yano was in that block as well. <laughs> for an incredible year. Uh, yeah, I posted a column article within like two hours of every single uh, G1 that aired. And uh, immediately the next year, I was like, do you want to do something else, Sam? <laughs> I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so end of week stuff. Uh, hopefully that will be out in timely fashion. Sam always posts it. So <laughs> I've got pressure this time. <laughs> yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Wrestlingheadlines.com. Like we mentioned, next week we'll be back to do our big G1 Climax 31 preview show with Chris Samsa. Also should have details for our G1 contest, so stay tuned for that. And again, also keep the young boy, Josh Smith, keep his family and him in your thoughts and prayer this week. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me, Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Also in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com 
Flash Group slash Wrestling Squared Circle on Instagram. We are at Social Suplex on Reddit. I'm the pro black guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Issue Radio, hosted by Rachel Atta and James Boyd. We have The Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex with Josh number two. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin and the Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.